You torment me, oh, you torment me, I'm a torment. Ah, this is Jay. <laughs> We're back with the stacks. My name is Shannon Bell, and you torment me, and you torment <laughs> me, and you torment. What a belter, though, right? Holy oh, shit, the, I did not yeah. think I would be so into a Michael J. Murphy movie. <laughs> well, and the songs. Oh, uh, it's so good. Our second or third feature when we get there, but uh, just real bangers and new wave tracks and uh, Michael J. Murphy's Torment. Uh, 1990, but it really feels like 1985, 1986. I really thought it was 85. <laughs> I mean, that's all the Michael J. Murphy ones. They always feel like they should be a little bit earlier in time than they are. <laughs> it's because of how lo-fi they are. That, that's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our first feature this week, Rodan, the Flying Monster from 1956. This is two years after the original Godzilla. Uh, same director, Ishiro Honda. Uh, Ishiro Honda also directed like most of the Godzilla sequels. Although I don't know if he did Godzilla versus Rodan. Hmm. This does not feel like the same like the same director as Godzilla at all. It's weird. I like. I, I guess it's because I'm pretty familiar with the rest of the Godzilla series mm. and the other Honda ones. That it, it definitely is in the same trajectory. Uh, they they get lighter and lighter, and this one's lighter, but it's also super grim at the end. Like the the ending is <laughs> kind of it's it's Yongri esque in its grimness. <laughs> I, I, I still say Yongri himself wins oh. out for the worst death. I, I completely agree. It's just this one, you get two of them and they're both just like, that's sad. And then everyone stands around looking sad and like, well, we won, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we just fucking burned them in their homes. <laughs> uh, this one's in color, which is uh, just that alone is a big difference in tone. The noiriness of the original of Godzilla is... Uh, like it adds so much to the tone, the darkness, the black and white. This one's colorful. It's light. It's during the day most of the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Although there is a lot of uh, people in identical brown suits <laughs> going in brown caves. Yeah. Uh, this one is a very slow burn. It takes quite a while for things to take place. There's <laughs> Although Not... when it does, it's literally oh, yeah. just a giant bug walking through the front door. <laughs> yeah, it's very sudden. And then again, <laughs> nothing will happen for like another 25 minutes. And then like the last half hour is tremendous. Mm. <laughs> the last half hour makes it worth it, but who it takes a bit to get there. It it takes a while. I mean, I appreciate the other stuff just because I'm kind of into this genre, but it it is one of the slower starts like slower even than that gamera one uh the the baragon when they go on their <laughs> fucking jungle adventure before any monsters show up um yeah i, I think baragon wins over because at least those yeah. characters uh because well, there it was a noir <laughs> yeah the characters had personalities they weren't just a bunch of identical dudes in brown uniforms with white helmets yeah uh, we've got again a score by Akira Fukube, who did the score for Godzilla. I think it's maybe the same score, just sped up a bit. <laughs> it sort of feels very, very similar, especially like the military themes. 
Mm-hmm, totally. And I it love certainly the... doesn't have the doominess of the Godzilla score. No, but I, I do love the, the real, like, sad music as yeah. they're all just lit on fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean. I feel like that's maybe very similar to the classic heavy droning Godzilla theme, but it feels a little bit peppier, a little lighter, uh, much like the military theme. The but this is not military. It's a coal mining crew. At first, at least, for the most part. I mean, it's we're following this coal miner guy. Where he's our main dude, uh, and there's sort of a romance, but who could bother? <laughs> <laughs> Is there? I, I, I honestly thought that might be his sister. I didn't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think they're. I think it's the sister of one of the guys who goes missing. Oh, oh, the sister of the one who everybody thinks is the killer. Yeah, I'm Goro, I believe. That's right, yeah. I don't know if we ever hear what happened to him. I assume he got his own private island and he started a fighting competition. He grew a couple (laughs) extra arms because he was in the case. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically the first thing. We've got Yoshizo and Goro. Who are these two dudes who are part of the mining crew and they're always fighting with each other for no real apparent reason dudes be fighting they, they're just dudes who fight they're, they're a couple of those dudes uh and we cut to the engineering office where they're talking about global warming which i thought was interesting it's 1956 i didn't know they knew about it in 56 honestly I mean, I knew it was definitely a concern by the 70s, but them talking about it pretty directly in basically the exact same terminology that we had in the 90s was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was unexpected because the 50s was all still very much a consume, consume, produce. Yeah, I mean, of, of all times, it's sort of like the ultimate boom time. So, like, there's this, they've gotten a phone call that there's some mysterious flooding in the West Pit, uh, which is where Yoshizo and Goro are supposed to be doing their mining. I think they're missing. Like, those two are the the ones who show up missing, which immediately is why, oh, it must have been one of them killed the other and the other took off. Yeah, yeah. And and Goro is going to stay missing for forever. Yeah, I don't know if he ever comes back. I, I, I'll have it in my notes if he does. My recollection is that he just vanishes from the movie and they never find him. I think no. he gets eaten, presumably. I mean, I, I assume that's what happened to him, but I don't think there's ever any confirmation because... I mean, he's uh, just gone, yeah. <laughs> a lot of shit ends up happening. Yeah, he kind of ultimately gets forgotten in the shuffle after spending some time as the main suspect. So... There's these four guys in identical brown suits with white helmets, and they go to explore the flooded pit. (laughs) This is the first of many. (laughs) Many. (laughs) (laughs) So they find Yoshizo's body, uh, and he's got a really bad head wound. That's what kills him, but he's also really badly slashed. And they're like, I mean, the way this is, it has to be a knife, but like maybe a really long one, like maybe a Japanese sword. So Goro like, must have snuck a katana into the mine. Right. 
Yeah, Goro, does he have does he have no swords? He probably snuck a katana in the mine to attack the guy. And like, okay, it's got to be him. Yeah, I mean, he he could easily hide it with his forearms. I guess so. So three guys in identical uniforms search the flooded <laughs> mine further. <laughs> I, I never kept track of this. Like, I was so glazed over for all of this. It's totally fair. Uh, I, I did watch it a couple times. Uh, and, I, you know, I've seen it before. So they hear a splash. And there's some fucking infernally squeaking thing. Oh god, that oh the man. squeaking. Oh, it's annoying. I had blocked out the noise until you reminded me, and now it's just oh fuck that sound. It's like a dog squeaky toy, but like on turbo. You know, like if it had one of those turbo buttons you, you had on like those uh third party Nintendo remotes and you just hold it down, and it just makes the squeak noise over and over and over. That's what it's yeah. like. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> it's like that, really but... irritating. <laughs> Not a <laughs> but... fan. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's it's somehow worse. Like a squeaky toy, I don't know. The sound kind of brings me joy because I know a dog is happy, but there's no joy with this sound. This one is like it's being chewed on by a robot dog at exactly yes. spaced intervals. Oh, and it's irritating. Boston it's Dynamics squeaky toy. Yeah, Boston Dynamics dog, uh, enjoying a squeaky toy, just you know, chewing it. And so it pulls one of these dudes under, screaming. And then a second guy, the boss, goes under. And the third guy runs away, and he's going to go get to the phone. But it gets him. <laughs> I can't believe Goro would do this to all these people. It's crazy. Goro is on a rampage. <laughs> <laughs> With his katana. <laughs> uh, there's a pretty cool traveling shot down the hallway of the engineer's building, uh, where they're removing the bodies, and we just have the shot just following down the corridor uh, at the level of the windows at like eye level. And you see everybody turn to watch the bodies being wheeled through. It's cool. Oh yeah. Has kind of a Yasuhiro Ozu look to it. Uh, I, I think Honda worked with Ozu in the early days. I don't know if you've seen any Ozu, but there's a very Hopefully distinct style not. to his work. Uh uh, you've seen Los Angeles plays itself, and I he have. mentions he he talks about Ozu briefly in that because he compares the work of uh, the guy who directed all of uh, Dragnet to Ozu. Oh, okay, okay. The transcendental simplicity of Ozu is how he describes it, and just it, it, visually, his style involves a lot of squares within squares, a lot of boxes segmenting the screen. And the scene really has that. It kind of felt Ozu-esque to me, which is just you know weird to see in a little, uh, a sort of a throwaway thing in a weird kaiju movie. <laughs> so the doctors report, and they're like, "It's probably Goro." <laughs> <laughs> Superhuman strength, yeah. <laughs> probably has a katana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. His sister, Keo is having a pretty rough time of it. She doesn't like everybody suspecting her brother. She doesn't believe it. Reasonably so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way he could have done this. And she's right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's completely not him. 
So the engineering guy, the first dude we saw in the engineering office, Shigeru, he's kind of our other main dude. And he's also sure it's not Goro. Uh, because, like, one of the dudes who got slashed in the second instance, when the squeaking thing first appeared, was one of Goro's buds. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't slash his bud? Yeah, it's like one of his friends. It's like, there's no way. Uh, I mean, I get it, maybe, like, he has this rivalry with Yoshizo, and we don't really think he would kill, but maybe. Like, he, there's some kind of thing between them, but why would he kill his buddy? I don't get that. Let's have a romance over how innocent we think he is. Right, and they're sitting there, and they're thinking, like, oh, yeah, and it seems like maybe they're about to kiss, and then the squeaking starts up, and just a huge <laughs> fucking bug busts in through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not even the wall he comes in through the door <laughs> just, <laughs> just, it's so sudden it's, it jump scared me i'm like what the fuck i thought we we're doing a romance scene <laughs> yeah they're just sitting there and they're talking about how i mean it couldn't have been him then squeak 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 and it just like this is the, the monster the camera, reveal <laughs> the camera turns around it's this huge pill bug I'm like Ugh, oh don't <laughs> <laughs> this monster's great though very cool. I think it is supposed to be a giant version of a real bug. Uh, they they mentioned that it's the dragonfly larva, I believe, later. Okay. They they also say that it's like a giant version of a prehistoric bug. Right. But I, I, I mean, think it's some... Dragonflies are also prehistoric anyway. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a, a prehistoric giant version of the larval form of the dragonfly or something they do say something about it later and it's like okay yeah because they also believe that i mean we're getting a little ahead but rodan is just a pteranodon but big giant <laughs> pteranodon <laughs> oh the picture <laughs> although he also has some superpowers that <laughs> guaranteed pteranodons did not have we don't know that <laughs> uh it's unlikely uh, yeah. So they call for help, and security shows up, and they have a gunfight with it. They shoot a whole bunch. One of them gets it, and it just <laughs> retreats into the wilderness. <laughs> and it's kind of a whole thing. They, the, the thing is, like, it keeps running off into wilderness, but it's the loudest thing. You know, it keeps <laughs> doing that goddamn squeaking. You keep hearing it. They, they, they hear it before they spot it. <laughs> how are we going to track this bug yeah it's they're like dark. yeah it's dark it's gotten away and like squeak, 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 squeak. and they look up and it's on the ridge of the mountain illuminated against the sky <laughs> yeah just giant like bug silhouette <laughs> just dog toy and hyperdrive noise and they just fruitlessly shoot at it a lot yeah <laughs> 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 the way it raises its claws it's supposed to be menacing but it feels like it's shrugging at them it's like come on guys Honestly, what are you doing here yes. <laughs> <laughs> pow 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 endlessly over and over they really make sure every time that it's not just that they're missing that <laughs> just cannot be shot okay guys so the last five times it didn't work but maybe this time it will right and the way it's composited is a little whack. It's, it is not clear how close they are to the thing because it actually manages to grab one of them and it felt like they were maybe 50 feet away. 
originally. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Uh, I honestly thought it just like rushed the really super sonic speed fast, like because it does seem to be able to go really fast. It can really scuttle, but the thing is, it then just it comically rolls down the hill and tumbles <laughs> down into the forest, like carrying two guys. Yeah, it but, has like, two dead bodies. Them, yeah, drops, drops <laughs> them part way. They're just in the claws and they get rolled over as it as it goes down the hill. But yeah, just the thing of it rolling down the hill. I don't know if that was intended. They maybe just fell down the hill and like, eh, we'll use it. Because this is a suit, right? This is another rubber suit. Yeah, it's got like this big moving, like really well articulated tail. They are like, it is pretty impressive. And Rodan, a little funky, especially when he's flying, but ambitious there's there's some cool stuff with rodan uh just imagine being in this suit and (laughs) accidentally rolling down a muddy hill into a forest it's like 50 feet of rolling how far that guy rolled it's thinking it proportional to a human it's like geez that's a long roll (laughs) oh yeah no that would it may have been a miniature in that part but it really feels like it's just the costume yeah, I, I, it just, it really looks like he just scuttled away too fast and lost footing. And yeah, just, it really he, does. And he zoomed down that hill. It's, it is quite a, quite a roll. It's great. So they call in reinforcements and they're finally like, handguns are useless. So they know, they know, but it's not like they're going to stop. <laughs> well, we're going to see them shooting handguns at these things and at Rodan later. You see, handguns were useless at night in a full moon but maybe in daytime they're weak against handguns you gotta try so they see the monster running back into the mine and they get the military the military show up with a bunch of bazookas so okay we're gonna up our firepower we'll see if this this weapon works (laughs) (laughs) so they they march in the mine the water's already receding it's like oh that's interesting starting to fill out well where did it come from in the first place i don't know there shouldn't be any water here Hmm. So they they have machine guns first. I'm like, okay, we can't use these bazookas in the mine. Pull out the machine guns, the things come out. Machine gun fire is useless. <laughs> they really <laughs> make sure though. <laughs> yeah. Just just empty all the clips just in case. Uh one one thing a really cool effect, they they're being chased out of the mine, so they let loose uh, a train of mine carts that just fucking collides with it on its way up that was cool i, I liked that part <laughs> yeah just a bunch of coal mine carts full of coal just hit it and then they realize shit there's a bunch of these things that's not good and shigeru is lost in the cave in because he was the guy who was guiding them so he's given up for lost for a little while but we'll find him very soon they are finally starting to think that Goro didn't do the killings. Yeah, although he's sort of been forgotten now. Yeah, <laughs> there is a point, though, where they say, I think these monsters are responsible for the killings. And somebody's I, like, really? I think it's right here. Yeah, because oh, okay. there's like, okay, these things, they're the Mega Nulon. Uh, they have really sharp teeth. So I guess maybe that's what did it. They kind of could match up with the wounds. They were looking at the wounds on these guys who we saw killed by the thing. And they kind of match up with the wounds. So eh, maybe it wasn't Goro after all. 
uh, we'll we'll posthumously apologize to the guy. <laughs> so they're they're talking about the Mega Nulon, and suddenly there's just a massive collapse, uh, which we don't know yet. But well, I guess it's the the ground displaced by uh, by Rodan getting out. Um, I I think that's what it is. Yeah, because we'll see. There's a flashback later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Shigeru, they, you know, they come to the collapsed area and there's just a huge crater and Shigeru is there, but he has total amnesia. <laughs> That's okay. It'll get better in about 10 minutes. It doesn't take long. They show him some pictures of the Mega Nulon and he's like, oh, oh no. I'm like, okay, well, he, he, re- he recognizes the thing that, that attacked him. So there's that. Like we already know, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, was it one of these? <laughs> so, so there is an eruption, uh, Mount Aso, where they're doing this mining. It erupts, and shortly after, a UFO is spotted, uh, heading towards Fukuoka at supersonic speed. Oh, oh, I love this one. Is this one the one where he gets the airplane? I mean, it's straight up the giant claw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just Full zooms on. by. The airplane just pops into pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they uh, they talk to this guy Kitahara, the fighter jet pilot, and he he reports in that he's seen this UFO. It's just like the giant claw sequence. They if... might as well have said it's the size of a battleship. Oh, it it looks the same the way they do the shots. I wonder if the giant claw actually did copy this i i because giant claw is the following year i wouldn't be surprised yeah giant claw is the next year so i it could be because these movies were pretty big Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, giant claw rodan knockoff (laughs) but yeah i think the rodan suits a little bit better the Rodan suit is way better, but I do love the giant claw deeply with all my heart. It just makes me laugh. The googly eyes, they, they, they warm my heart. The giant cartoon <laughs> buzzard nostrils. The sound it makes. <laughs> oh, man, I'll take that over the squeaky bugs any oh, day. Every, every time. <laughs> so, uh, Kitahara starts pursuing it, but it's faster than the plane, and it just does a reverse, which they don't expect it to do. They still think it's a craft yeah. and not a being, uh, but it, it does an instant reversal, and it takes them out. And yeah, it, they, they use a model <laughs> plane, and they just knock it in half, and like the, the nose cone goes flying one way. Great effect. I love it. <laughs> it it's just like this cute little pop. And then, but it's like, oh, that pilot's probably dead. Wait, yeah, he well, doesn't they, die though. He absolutely dies because they do a hard cut to his oh. bloody helmet on a desk. <laughs> right? No, I'm thinking of oh shit, yeah, I'm thinking something else. <laughs> You're thinking of a later dude. Yeah, they, they just cut to yeah, right. his uniform covered in blood and just with like <laughs> gouges in it, just sitting on a desk, and everyone's like, well. <laughs> So another plane goes missing, like a full British passenger jet. High body count in this. It's oh, only yeah. referred to. We just don't actually see these things happen. Like, well, Rodan ate a passenger jet somewhere. <laughs> Much like the giant claw would do, uh, mass killings yeah. off screen. Yeah, totally happens there as well. 
And it's ranging really far. It's spotted over China. They have people in the Philippines spotting it. Yeah, so they theorize it's like it's moving too fast. It couldn't possibly be one thing. There must be more than one. Right, which they forget about. And then it does (laughs) turn out to be true later. Yeah, that's right. They forget that there's multiple. (laughs) Because part of it is that it is actually fast enough to do that stuff, but also there's two of them (laughs) yeah yeah because its speed at low altitudes is causing tidal waves and it has these really huge winds that its wings cause yeah and it's got like this cool sonic boom power the sonic boom power rules especially when it's uh in miniature town oh oh oh. when we get when are we gonna (laughs) get to the miniature factory like that is the biggest actually we're almost there we're pretty close to it it's just it is the biggest problem with the movie that it takes way too long for that to happen It, it it should happen sooner yeah we we actually spend about as much time in miniature town in rodan as we do in the episode in ultra q Yes, that and, is about right. <laughs> but so it's, there's, it's great. It's great. So there's this dude and his wife, and he's some rich dude, and he's like, it's okay, I have a friend at the Volcanology Institute. I'm going to go up there and take pictures. I'm like, are you sure? That seems dangerous. <laughs> they they go up to the crater, they see Rodan, and they get got. They go missing. <laughs> <laughs> like, these people are missing. Huh. Also, a bunch of cattle and horses are missing from mountaintops in the area. Hmm. Like, huh. Hmm. Q, the winged serpent. <laughs> also how Q, uh, the winged serpent uh, works out. You, you've you not seen that, right? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if I have. I've definitely heard of it, but I don't know if I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. It's a Larry Cohen movie. Same guy who did the stuff. It's a movie about Quetzalcoatl, uh, you know, Q. Uh, living yeah. in the top of the Chrysler building and just like going out on trips to eat people. Oh yeah, it's no, great. that's it. I've heard of it. I remember the premise, but I haven't seen it. I would remember seeing that. It's really fun. Uh, so they developed the photos that the couple had. This is part that is like it, it is just like the spiral <laughs> map, as you said. <laughs> They find just a little partial image of Rodan. There's like a fragment of a wing and a fragment of a foot. And they're like, hey, let, let's let's see. Oh, there's here's an artist rendition of a pteranodon. Like one of those like children's dinosaur books. Yeah, exactly. One of those nice painted ones. And they put the picture up to the wing and the foot, and it kind of fits. And the guy said, well, it's exactly the same picture. How could it be anything else? It like, fits well, perfectly. <laughs> one, it's a painting. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I mean think, and it's well, an the, artist's I, imagining of what a pterodactyl yeah. might have looked like. And we're also pretty sure from the fossils we have, these things are like 25 feet. This thing's like 250 feet. <laughs> but the picture so, lines up. It's like, but the picture's exactly the same. These are the same photo. He's like, it's a painting, man. He's <laughs> like, okay, but he's a he's a pteranodon. He must be a huge pteranodon. Definitely. If <laughs> we've solved what Rodan is. So we go back to Shigeru and he's hanging out with Kyo. And she has some baby birds. Uh that she her she has some pet birds in a cage, and there's some babies hatching, and he has a traumatic flashback watching them hatch. Yeah, so uh, 
<laughs> we get to see what happened when he was in the cave in. And uh yeah, gigantic ass egg. Like Yeah, there's a huge egg and he sees it hatch. He sees a Rodan hatch. And it's like eating the they look like tiny little grubs now, the the bugs that they've been fighting before. Yeah, just the, like, the Meganulon are its food source. Yeah, it's just plucking them up. Uh and yeah, and then it just dances a bit and it causes the crater. <laughs> it's, it's quite a bit like um I can't remember what he's called now in in uh oh Gomez. It's it's quite Gomez. a bit like Gomez having his little dance party before uh he gets hit in the face with the steam shovel. <laughs> or or oh man, the, the bat thing in the third camera movie having his dance party until yeah. he gets hit in the foot with a boulder. Yeah, I mean, just these monsters, they love to dance. They're just having a good time. And then, you know, the modern world comes out and hits them. Uh, Yongari <laughs> loved to fucking dance. That was oh, his Yongri. thing. Yongari was the super destructive monster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, memory regained, Shigeru goes to tell the scientists. And he uh, takes them to the cave. And we are just spending minutes analyzing this chunk of eggshell to confirm. Oh, my God. My it's... God, it's an eggshell. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, we did a DNA test. This is an eggshell. We it's put it under an calcium. electron microscope. It's an eggshell, you guys. But it's so big and thick. But it's an eggshell. Because there's a whole thing where they don't believe him. And there's like there's one guy who doesn't believe him. I think he's still on the it's Goro, though. Goro oh, definitely yeah, did the right. killings. There's... I think there's still one guy who's on that. And they take him to the cave. And he's like, he's still just trying to protect Goro. I'm sure if that were true, we'd find pieces of eggshell. And then they find <laughs> some pieces of eggshell. And he's like, I don't believe it. Let's do a spectral analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they spend so much time on this stupid eggshell. So we get a science man. You got to have one of them in this in in any kaiju movie. You get a science man reporting to the military. Of course. So here is Rodan's power base. He, it's one of these. He's got a two hundred and seventy foot wingspan, and it causes uh, it, at full flap. There's a shock wave of sonic boom uh, power, and like. Uh, probably because of underwater nuclear bomb tests. I, I can't imagine what else would cause it. It's probably that. Same thing. It's, it's, it's a Godzilla problem again. Yeah, he's like, I mean, I have absolutely no proof, but I think it's that. Yeah, based on the information we've received. And finally, at 55 minutes into the movie, we finally see Rotan. Oh, in full yeah. adult form, because in the cave, it's just sort of a weird kind of like a mini puppet, puppet form. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. So here we see him full, full adult form. His flying form is a little bit of just like a solid piece. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a model on a string. Yeah, it's the it's not fine. as fine. But when he's landing, it looks really fun. Mm hmm. <laughs> so there's this really cool shot with him flying over a jeep and his sonic boom makes it roll and crash against a rock and they even put a miniature dummy in the jeep <laughs> that flies off and gets crushed against the rock way cool i, I wonder cool. how they did some of these did they just have like gigantic fans i wonder 
I guess they had to have because there's that bit with all of the uh the the ceiling uh, the the roof tiles all peeling off and blowing away off that one roof. Yeah, like I don't I don't know how else you could do that. They do some really interesting stuff with miniatures in this one that I really yeah. appreciate. It's it's what really makes this one an essential even though like we said, we're 55 minutes in and it's just starting to pick up. There's fun stuff along the way, but this is where it's really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's a bit of a slow burn, but man, the last <laughs> bit is really good. So they scramble fighter jets. Obviously, you you have a kaiju. You got to get the fighter jets out. You gotta. <laughs> let's let's see if the fighter jets, if their machine guns will work. I mean, we've already had him take out a fighter jet, but. We send a couple more out, two of them immediately get taken out. They're totally ineffective. None of their weapons work. <laughs> so Rodan attacks a city, Sasebo. And the miniatures here are fucking amazing because they show all of the evacuation sequences. So we're familiar with the real locations. And then they just have these incredibly detailed, elaborate miniatures of them that... They have the sonic winds just tear them to bits. It's so cool. <laughs> oh man, the the bridge, the bridge, just, uh, just bent outward. Because he he like half. goes, yeah, he goes under it, I think, and it bends. Uh, this uh, is as he's going to Fukuoka. Uh, oh, he does go over it, but he passes really low over it. Right, and it just like pulls with him and crumbles mm -hmm. uh so i think it's fukuoka where we see all of the people taking shelter and then it's he lands in downtown and he's just flapping wings tiles just tearing off roofs buildings just disintegrating in wind just really cool yeah yeah it's i've never seen this kind of thing before normally normally they're bashing the shit or shooting it with, with lasers and the, the buildings are exploding with like explosives inside right never seen pyrotechnic kind of work no, yeah. and it looks great. It's a really interesting thing. Uh, as a Rodan lands on the sports center, he's doing his flapping, which is just causing everything to blow up. So, of course, send in the motorized tanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Get the whole kit. Let's spend 10 minutes shooting it with our tanks. Rockets, rockets, rockets. <laughs> Let's recycle the footage of the rockets shooting them. Yep, and they, they just go at him over and over and over again. Minutes. Yeah. Uh, finally, he gets bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Good, like Rodan. I was too. Yeah, Rodan is just getting hit by rockets, 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 and he just gets bored and yawns, and he just does one of the big sonic booms, and all of the tanks go flying. <laughs> everything catches on fire they burn this fucking miniature set it looks incredible to see it burning oh, never seen that before either very uncommon the whole freaking city just on fire they lit like their whole damn town <laughs> no just a huge miniature set that they burn the whole thing and you rarely see it because usually fire does not scale well but I mean, it works here. It looks amazing. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's just because they're big, big miniatures. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very elaborate. But yeah. Oh, man, that was awesome. It's just for one shot, too. Yeah, it's just like a, a hand, a little brief montage. And then we cut to our guys in the military base and they're like, uh oh, Rodan's coming our way. 
so they take off. They they head to Mount Asso. Uh, and yeah, I think there's a bit more of a montage where we have the burning downtown at night with just like neon lights in the foreground. Just oh, like, that yeah, is so that's... fucking cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I remember that. So they fly over Mount Asso and they locate the nest because there's just tons of bones there. Uh, which is probably what happened to Goro. Rip Goro. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Goro's the reason who put the bones there. I mean, I'm still sticking with my uh, got away to a private island and uh, became the end boss. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, the military, they decide, let's bomb it. The guy's like, if you do that, it's going to cause a volcanic eruption. And everyone like kind of stares at him for a second. He's like, yeah. That's the point. <laughs> our, our bombs are probably not going to kill this thing. You know what might? Lava. Lava might destroy this thing. <laughs> There's going to be so much damage. Um, you know it's what like the thing is doing already? Yeah, yeah. You know what this thing is doing? It's causing unbelievable amounts of damage. We're obviously going to evacuate first, you idiot. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess we would. We've already seen many scenes of us evacuating people. Like, we're not just going to bomb it now. We're going to tell people to evacuate and bomb it. It's like, well, I guess I don't have any objections then. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there was, like, he, he did have one objection that was so poorly translated that I didn't understand right. what he was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple things. These are This is the DVD. I don't think this has made it to Blu-ray yet. Apparently Toho is just hard to license from. Uh, oh. I imagine Criterion has these and it's just sitting on them. These are the old... Uh, toho collection dvds which is still kind of the best stuff for uh these uh, like it was the first time it was released in english uh like the the original japanese version with english subtitles i think this was the first release of it so okay some of it's a little bit janky some of it could use some updating <laughs> uh, I, I it is a shame the way the toho movies are on blu-ray there there's just no real great collection of them the, the Criterion Godzilla set leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Just the packaging is so stupid. <laughs> Notoriously dumb because of how they slide down into the sleeves. <laughs> Man, you know why couldn't they all about. be like the Gamera set? Right, the Gamera set is fucking perfect. I, I wish Arrow had done the Godzilla movies and all the other Toho stuff. Because it would be out by now, too. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Criterion. Anyway, yeah, I'd love to see more of these. <laughs> yeah, I want these all on blue. Uh, I, I want to see these restored. They're so much fun. So, yeah, they have the plan. There's the thing where they're all talking about the plan and they do it and it works and it just kaboom rockets launching for <laughs> minutes again. We cut to Rodan to be... screaming. We haven't really talked about the Rodan suit. Because there's the bits where it lowers down and it's clearly a suit rather than just the model. And it's mm -hmm. it's cool. Like you got clearly someone's feet in there. They have it fly, basically. They have him like lowered on wires a few times, which just, I don't know, it's fun. Yeah, no, it's a really good suit. Um, doesn't We don't get to see enough of it. Uh, there's it's the real problem enough. I have. Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot that it was when they were rocketing it endlessly that they discovered that there is another Rodan 
coming. That's oh, when they realize that there's two. Right, right. One of the burning. times that they're rocketing it, the other Rodan yeah. shows up. Right. So it's like, oh shit, there's two of them. Man, these rockets aren't working now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the rockets will work on the other one. <laughs> they, they they give up. They they run and they, they go to Mount Asso. So yeah, they just rocket the shit out of them forever. It causes an eruption. Uh, a huge jet of flame bursting forth out of the ground. It's great. We get interesting. I'm not really sure what they did to create the lava. It's some sort of orange gelatin liquid. Yeah, that doing. it looks cool. It looks neat. Um, it, it, yeah, it's like this cool bright orange. It's not not quite jello, but it's not it's not runny like a like a. I don't know what it is, but it's cool. Yeah, it's it's an impressive sort of, uh, I, I guess, a non-Newtonian fluid. You get that. It, it is liquidy. It moves like liquid, but it is solid uh, to an extent. And it's a very bright orange uh, that looks like lava. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of the better lava effects I've seen from uh, that's not CGI. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of an anticlimactic ending. We just have the rockets launching, we have the eruption, and one of the Rodans emerges from the cave, but the lava gets it, and it just kind of gives up, and it lands, and it's just burning on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone is like, oh, this kind of is depressing. And then the other one shows up, and it's making these sad noises, (laughs) and it lands next to the other one, and it also catches on fire. (laughs) Just writhing dying in agony like yongery and it just cuts to everyone being like really sad that their plan worked (laughs) wow this is yeah they're like oh my god it's like two lovers dying together (laughs) yeah it is i'm like (laughs) the end (laughs) it's like wow (laughs) <laughs> what an ending uh but yeah uh, it, it does it's an interesting bridge between godzilla and the lighter ones because it's lighter but it's still depressing at the end it's so such a negative vibe as you go out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just the way they like just catch on fire and kind of explode from within just they just like lie on the ground, you know, they're just rolling. <laughs> yeah, after being rocketed for like 10 minutes. It goes on so long. And then you just cut to all our people looking not triumphant. They don't feel great about it. It didn't go very well. <laughs> we won. We I won. Yes. Yeah. Although one of the things that I think is cool about this is that it automatically has established the Rodan as a species mm. so it's pretty easy for there just to be more of them and they show up in godzilla movies later on yeah yeah that's always true because or that's that's true because you don't have to come up with an excuse to resurrect a dead unique monster if you just got a species of them yeah there's a bunch of them so you get more rodan which is cool you, you'll you'll see some of them in the godzilla movies so good because we... i want to see rodan actually yeah. doing stuff for more I... than five minutes I want to see Rodan fight another monster. Oh, yeah. hell yeah, man. His yeah. wind powers would be super useful against some All monsters. Sorts of I'm pretty sure there's some interesting Rodan Mothra fights. 
I think Mothra yeah. has some fun stuff with that. So we're also going to talk about the first episode of Ultra Q, Defeat Gomez, <laughs> uh, which first aired, I think it's January 2nd, 1966. So oh, 10 so years quite a bit after. after. Yeah. Uh, director Hajime Subaraya. Subaraya, of course, they're the guys behind the whole Q series, uh, creators of Ultraman, uh, also sort of folded into the Godzilla series later on. So, you know, some of these characters will turn up there and boy, this character clearly uh, is a borrowed Godzilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> I refer to him as Godzilla the Grouch. Yeah. So our setting is an expressway tunnel, which is under construction, and there's something awakened. Uh, We don't have time for a whole big setup of them going down, water coming up and everything. It's just like they're doing a tunnel and something gets woken and we cut to Gomez dancing to the (laughs) rad 60s surf theme of Ultra Q. So cool, by the way. Yep, his uh, underground underground kaiju dance party uh to the credits i love yeah, it i i totally love the theme to ultra q it has a real just surf energy to it it rocks so go mess he's got godzilla's legs and tail yep <laughs> completely <laughs> uh and it's sort of just a godzilla head too except he's got a curved horn on the top and tusks but he's really hairy also, especially his eyebrows. He's got these big, goofy eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, th- like, that's what makes me think of Oscar the Grouch is his big, hairy eyebrows. Yeah. And he's just like roaring and dancing to the theme music. <laughs> and, and you know why? You know what he's going to do? He's going to mess you up. Oh, yeah. I, it's just so funny <laughs> that's to why me. That's it's that... called Go Mess. <laughs> he, he's dancing in this crater uh just a a hole of his own you know and someone (laughs) an excavator bucket comes through the wall and just hits him square in the face (laughs) and then takes the egg yeah it it accidentally steals an egg which we Uh, later find out is not a gomez egg yeah no not related to well it's related to him but it's more of it's his rival uh i think he was gonna eat that egg I mean, presumably it is the, it is his antagonist. So there is an obvious kaiju boy, Jiro. Oh man, I love Jiro. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, we, we've seen a number of kaiju boys previously in the Gamera series. He would just completely fit in with any of them. He has a turtleneck. He has high-waisted pants. He's got thick-rimmed, completely round glasses. He's the most obvious kaiju boy I've ever seen. <laughs> he carries a notebook. It seems like it should be the manual from One Punch Man, the list of every kaiju. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he uh, might get that in later episodes. I think he very well may. He might end up being a main character. I don't know. Uh, so... Everybody runs to investigate, uh, and they ignore Jiro for now at their peril. Mm, yeah, because uh, <laughs> Jiro's like, hey, guys, this thing's an egg, right? Oh, no, the so egg the, hasn't come out yet. The egg hasn't come out quite yet, but they haul out the excavator operator. He's screaming about a monster, but nobody believes him because he's like, oh, he's an alcoholic. everybody knows alcoholics always hallucinate monsters that's what beer does 
We know. I mean, it, it's just his uh, rivalry with Yoshio or <laughs> Yoshizo. Uh, so then, yeah, they find this big egg, which they think is a rock. I mean, it's supposed to be sort of fossilized, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kid's like, as soon as he sees it, he's like, you guys know this is an egg, right? <laughs> yeah. So we we get some reporter... Uh, there, there's a reporter who's just happens to be there for I, I don't know why he's there at a tunnel being dug for a road, but he's hanging out there, Jun Jun. You know, he, in case uh, the tunnel serious business. I don't know. He don't phones know. up. He phones up his newspaper office, and there's a lady photographer, Yuri, Yuri Chun. <laughs> she, oh, she is ready to come running. She's oh, been she's waiting cute. for this. I like her. <laughs> Man, Rodan needed characters like these. Yes, uh, these characters have character. Uh, They're not totally anonymous, uh, <laughs> people in identical uniforms. But yeah, this is 10 years later. They'd started to get the formula down by then. Uh, <laughs> Rodan Gamera had been friend to all children for a while now. A couple years. I, I feel like uh, Rodan could almost be classed as an experimental film. They didn't know what kind of tone they were going for yet. They didn't realize these were going to be children's movies. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's like that second camera. It's like, is this a noir right. movie? Yeah. <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy in this episode is that nobody seems to be able to wrap their heads around the idea of this tunnel that they found that pre-existed they, okay, they keep so saying let's... tunnel within a tunnel and nobody can conceptualize this idea <laughs> okay so there's a tunnel gomez has a tunnel the tunnel's already there the guy's tunnel that they're digging burrowed into gomez's tunnel yeah it's so easy to explain nobody gets it nobody can explain it they're like they... <laughs> maybe we can get a picture to explain because i don't really get what you're saying could we do a picture? I'm like, I don't even know how a picture is going to explain that. You could just explain that with words. No, but a picture's <laughs> worth. A, they literally. Yeah, they do the say. Other, yeah, a picture's worth a thousand of them. Good thinking. <laughs> so there's a bit where we have a bunch of scientists walking down, uh, walking out of the mine, and everybody's <laughs> discussing it. One of the guys, I like, I was laughing my ass off. He says, "My specialty is science." <laughs> <laughs> what part of science science all of it <laughs> and they like it's just a bunch of guys babbling things like that my specialty is science and then one guy says in short you professors don't know anything about that cave and they just they just look at each other defeated with yeah. their like, well, it's like well, i guess I he's right <laughs> <laughs> and they go, someone must know. And we cut to Jiro, our kaiju boy, who's <laughs> inspecting the egg with the quizzical expressions. Like, obviously, listen to this kid. <laughs> and he's like, guys, this is obviously not a meteor. Don't be stupid. Because that's what that's the theory they're working with. Oh, right. right. Yeah, they think it's a meteor. And he is starting to take over because he's the kaiju boy everybody knows it everybody's just waiting for him to appear but some rando i, I think it turns out to be his uncle and the guy who runs the place you think he's the yeah boss. his uncle is like the foreman or something yeah but he seems to just be some rando who's just behind he like pops up from behind some crud behind 
like <laughs> like they're they're on the the tracks and he pops up like from behind some boxes and starts yelling and he's like hey that boy ain't reliable <laughs> yeah, yeah don't listen to that shitty kid also don't listen to the alcoholic who thinks it's a monster don't listen to two sources yeah he he relates something where he misidentified a fossil one other time like you can't trust him <laughs> he's not he doesn't have a perfect record of fossil identification yeah it's like buddy what's your fossil identification <laughs> right, exactly. record you fucking crazy person so the reporter and the photographer lady decide to go into the tunnel because they just can't quite get their heads around this tunnel within a tunnel. Let's go get some pictures. That that'll clear everything up. They they did spend a bit of time like asking about it first too. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is an impossible impossible concept. So the kaiju boy Jiro, he remembers something. He's like, oh yeah, I think there was this egg. It reminds me of something. There's some sort of connection to Mount Kampo nearby. So let's go over there. They take a helicopter over, uh, him and a couple dudes, uh, and they, they go to see some monks, and they've got a scroll which talks about Gomez and Litra. I love that when he's handing them the scroll, the the way it's folded is just so that you can see the drawing of, like the exact drawing of that egg that they've got right, before it even yeah. reveals anything else. Just that. And... We cut to our reporter and photographer in the tunnel. They find some big crystals. And there's a huge dead bat, I guess. Uh, I, don't, I don't like... It's was like, it oh, a wow, huge like, bat or a regular I bat? I feel like it was supposed to be huge. We don't oh. really get a lot of context for it, but I assume it was supposed to be big. It's like a big, silly rubber bat. It's pretty silly. <laughs> Either way, there's an earthquake or what seems to be an earthquake. So they have to leave. And we go we go to the monk talking about the different stuff. I mean, it's mostly really the boy interpreting the scroll for the scientist guys. So there's the Litralaria, which is the species of Litra, which is a bird slash reptile, and it can spit citronella acid. That's a special power. And he's the mortal enemy of Gomez. Gomez, or the Gometius, is its species. And they're very highly carnivorous, and they don't really have any other details about it. <laughs> they're grouchy. Yeah, they're bad. You know. <laughs> it's, uh, you, you need Latra to defeat it. Just trust us. <laughs> so the reporters finally, they run into Gomez. And he, because he just like bursts through a wall. And then we go to a commercial break. It's a good bet. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And uh, the the kaiju boy Jiro and the others they get back to the island, or they get back to this mountain, and they find the cave in. So they go back to his his boss, the his or his uncle, the boss, and he implicitly will not believe anything that Jiro says. <laughs> So it's, it's a big problem. So yeah, you were wrong I don't believe one you. time about one thing, so I will never listen to you ever about anything. Yeah, you were wrong about something once. Don't you understand? <laughs> Your so value Jiro, as a human is gone now. Yeah, it's never going to be recovered, even though you were a small child and still are. 
So Jiro goes and listens to the egg, and he realizes it's alive. It's, there's like a beating. And he's like, oh, shit. Well, I, I know how to solve this. We just hatch the egg, and it will defeat Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> Title just, of the episode. Just like Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be the first Pokeboy. And the reporters, they, they're fending off Gomez with their flashes. Uh, the, <laughs> it, it doesn't like flash photography. I love that Gomez is chasing them through a huge Gomez-shaped tunnel. <laughs> yeah, it is his own hall. <laughs> it's uh, made for him. Exactly. So Litra finally hatches, uh, and Jiro is just yelling at the thing. It's like, go, go, Litra, defeat Gomez, do it, <laughs> go now. And it just keeps like standing there, rolling its eyes, like, yeah, kid, I know. Just I'm waiting for it to get out. Just, Quit bothering me. <laughs> it's like, Jiro, you don't have enough Pokemon bad badges. You got to defeat the gym trainer so the high-level Pokemon won't listen to you. Yeah, it's already this this guy's job. So he's just like, I know, man. You're just you're telling me stuff I already know. Go, go away, kid. They dig out the reporters and they retreat uh, from Gomez, who's still pursuing them. Uh, and he emerges, and it's just this absolutely fucking incredible miniature set. Okay, this one's yeah, tremendous. This, this is like definitely a case of less is more here because we've got the fight takes place in comparatively a tiny area, but it's an area that we've spent the whole episode in. This area, right? And so we're very familiar with it. Yeah, it, and it's perfectly recreated. Everything is to scale. Um, yeah, just a perfect miniature of this space that we've spent a bunch of time in, and we just get Gomez and uh, Litra having a battle on it. That's so cool. What a yeah. great way of establishing that. I mean, for a 20-minute show, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, and we can see it's it's a huge problem I have with kaiju movies. Is you, don't, you don't really get the scale of how big they are, and here... You can see it clearly because it's in this space that we spend so much time in. Yeah, it's not... a very elaborately established. I, I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And they're not huge. Like, they're not Godzilla size at all. But Right. They're big. They're big. <laughs> yeah. So they have a battle. Uh, Litra pecks Gomez's eye, uh, <laughs> spits acid on him. and A lot they... of the fight is just mashing the two suits together, though. Yeah, they're just hitting each other and then they both die they they both just <laughs> fall over and die in agony on top of each other it's again it's kind of like the ending of rodan like everyone's like oh they both died <laughs> and there's like a voiceover says if you go on the Akko expressway or whatever there's a small plaque that jiro put up to litra <laughs> who died the end <laughs> it's like wow cool <laughs> <laughs> Cool, though. I, I really appreciate Ultra Q. I'm looking forward to digging further into it. So I, as I was saying to you last week, I figure anytime we pull out a kaiju movie, we'll do an episode of Ultra Q to go with it. I, I'm into it. I'm into it. Mm. I, I, I actually liked this episode of Ultra Q probably overall better than I liked Rodan. So. I, yeah, I mean, I think it does exactly the same stuff. 
but it does it a it does it much more streamlined. It doesn't have yeah. all of the padding that Rodan had. I mean, they... I think ultimately the stuff in Rodan, the miniatures at the end and the pyrotechnics and stuff are more impressive. But oh, for sure. I mean, you also have to spend a lot of time to get to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a feature length film. It's always going to be better than the yeah. twenty minute TV show, but. Yeah, <laughs> really good. Yeah, uh, impressive for what it is. You can see why Ultra Q became a phenomenon and why it birthed Ultraman, and that became that whole series. Uh, and I do have already the first three seasons of it, so we can dig into it as much as we want. Oh boy, that's going to take so long to get into all of it. Oh yeah. All right. So, do you have any last thoughts on Rodan or Ultra Q episode one before we head to part two? So the cave, though. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a tunnel. A tunnel so, inside so they, a tunnel. So they finish the tunnel, is what you're saying? It's like, they're, they're, I'm thinking of the, the 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 helicopter pilot who's really trying to consider. So it's like, oh, it's simple. They were building a tunnel, and then they ran into another tunnel. So magically, the tunnel's finished, right? <laughs> like, the, no, that doesn't make sense. It's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Why are you... You people are idiots. <laughs> Can't believe it. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Uh anyway, on to part two. And we're back for part two, where we're talking about two more movies. First, uh finishing off the Piotr Shulkin Apocalypse Tetralogy box with Gaga, Glory to the Heroes, uh, from 1986. 1986. Uh, again, Pyotr Shulkin, uh, great. Uh, <laughs> what, what an awesome conclusion to this crazy series. The funniest one. The funny one. <laughs> like all of them, I feel have humor in them. Humor. All of them are kind of funny. Golem, I think, especially Golem and War of the Worlds both had a lot of humor. Not so much in uh, Obioba. Very little humor in Obioba. Uh, it was in there, but I it was there, I wasn't but it was laughing. Bleak. Uh, uh, this one's funny. Like this one is laugh out loud funny frequently. <laughs> this, this kind of feels like. Um... Like Shulskin uh doing like Red Dwarf or Hitchhiker's Guide or something like that. Yeah, it does have kind of that Red Dwarf anarchism. It it, it does have a similar kind of dystopian future to Red Dwarf, where it's like it, instead of space exploration, they're being done by working class people who just it's their job to go around the universe on big fucking freighter ships. Which, you know, is that's alien, too. Uh, yeah. This one, it's prisoners. Prisoners are the <laughs> space program. Uh, it's really dangerous. Most of them are going to die. So it's like, we just shoot them up there and hope that they can establish something. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we Matt Damon them on whatever planet we find. Right. And it seems to be a whole lot of planets, but clearly they're sending a bunch of them to the same planets, hoping that eventually it's going to work. I'm just sending more and more of them at the same problem because obviously, I, I believe it's Australia four five eight where he lands, uh, and obviously they've seen a bunch of these guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, I do kind of wonder how much they are actually exploring space or not, or just sending them all to this place. 
I mean, I feel I figured they must be sending them to a bunch of places, but probably a lot of them are like this, or many of them maybe just have wilderness. Many of them that you're probably just getting killed by monsters. But I would assume that some of them they just arrive there and there's nobody there. So they just hang out for 30 days and go back. Whereas this is one that they keep sending them, they keep dying. So they just keep sending them, hoping that one of them is going to maybe make it stick. But there's also obviously a political element to this, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a a political metaphor element. I do think it's interesting that they're sending all their uh, convicts to Australia. Right. I mean, I think that's (laughs) why they have it with that name is that that's how they got rid of convicts for a while. You you send them Mm -hmm. to Australia, Australia. Uh, was being used as a penal colony by the British yeah. Empire. Yeah, yeah, you're here. If you live, you can make a society. Otherwise, you die from whatever animals. Right. Uh, <laughs> although here it turns out, I mean, the people on this planet, they are kind of mysterious to me. I don't know if they're real. I, they, uh... <laughs> they seem to be constructs in some ways. Some of them have superpowers. At least one definitely has a superpower. That that one cop. He seems yeah. like maybe he's a robot. But then I, I feel the same way about like the chef at Fresh Food. Uh, who, I mean, he in the same way that the cop easily removes his arm, this guy removes all his fingers. The chef also makes weird uh, noises. He sounds like a waterbed that's too full. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> something like, I don't know. We never really get a clear idea of the nature of this alien planet because our guy isn't that interested in exploring it or finding out the deal of it. He's just, I mean, he's in this situation unwillingly. Yes. (laughs) I mean, he is, he's here because he's a prisoner. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Although it's uh, interesting. He is a political dissident, which is really uh, key to his character. Yeah, we don't know exactly what he did or even really exactly what the situation was on the planet before. Just he's in there for disobedience. Yes, yeah, whatever disobedience. Yeah. Uh, which usually would mean that he, he was he was protesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe protesting this. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Shit, I never thought about that, but it could be. I was like, he's probably just protesting a pipeline. Poor guy. Yeah, but it could just be this. He could be, could be protesting <laughs> the prison space program and was like, all right, now you are part of it. Uh, <laughs> and, it is that sort of dystopia. And he is part of it. He, We start with him, even before we get an explanation of what's going on, we start with him, the guards like sizing him up for the suit and everything. Right. And we already know we're in kind of a weird place because uh, when they take the photograph for you know, for whatever, for the mission, mm-hmm. everybody photobombs him, like the smiling priest, the slimy yeah. guard. <laughs> they yeah, just I'm, all got to get in there. there. There is no professionalism among this group, <laughs> uh, especially when we get to the bill and just all the stuff he's supposed <laughs> to have. And like, he didn't get most of it because people took it. Yeah. They're like, do you want us to send this photo to your family? He's like, no. No, why would I want that? This sucks. I don't want to. He's like, well, you, you're going to be charged for the photo. And it's it's going to be on your bill. So <laughs> I mean, you might want something like that to me is the funniest element of this first part. Just how much every like it, it is such a bureaucratic. Uh, it, it is like Hitchhiker's Guide in terms of the comical bureaucracy of just everything is on your bill. 
Yeah. Uh, As a prisoner. <laughs> We've got the warden doing the big speech about how everyone is the dung of mankind. Right. Uh, but we want mankind wants to give you a second chance. So go out and explore. And you might be worried you're going to starve or get eaten by beasts or freeze, but it'll be great for us. Yeah, you'll be a hero. Uh, don't yeah. you understand? It, it, that'll be a heroic death if that happens. Uh, we don't actually know what's happening on these other planets. We just know that people aren't coming back from them. Uh, and the environment seems like it should support them, so we're going to send more people at it. It's basically what they're doing. I yeah, really basically. like this uh, party. <laughs> <laughs> this is his going away party, which he will be billed for. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like they're they're in like a shit, like oh, a closet almost, or like a boiler room. It feels like a boiler room. It's definitely all metal walls. It's it seems like the prison from Alien Three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just all of these people in rags, and nobody is thrilled. Like there, there's nobody who's like applauding. There, there's not. It's it's not a celebration in any no. sense. The only person who's like hyping it up is the warden. Everybody else is like, okay, we're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, like an the... election. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh my god! I remember my first election. I was so excited. I was <laughs> gonna vote. I was gonna make a difference. Yeah, these guys have done this all before. This, this yeah. like, it, it feels like you know a, a convention, like a political convention. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he 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 has the whole he has his going away party where they're celebrating how great his <laughs> uh, heroic victory is going to be, and they take him to the back room. <laughs> they're like passing around, pouring each other like the liquor, and then they keep passing him the almost empty bottle. And just as he's about to take a sip from it, they take it away from him. Yeah, and he's going to be charged for the bottle. That's on the oh, list. Yes. That's that is yeah. on on his bill because that's that's his thing. They're like, okay, this is what you're going to have to do. You have to plant the flag, and he's like, hey, fuck. Well, where's the flag? <laughs> <laughs> and he takes it from another guard. Is like, I was going to give that to my kid. Yeah, it's like my kid wants one. Uh, come on, he doesn't need it. What does he care? <laughs> the helmet. Oh, you won't need this <laughs> unless there's no air on your planet. Then you probably will. And it's like, yeah, I guess you better take it. And there's because he has the suit. He's been in the suit. They put him in the suit, so he's got the suit and the helmet, but he has nothing else. Uh, yeah. I think they charge him for the cake. They charge him uh, for they the charge party, him for the cake, and the booze, the booze, and then the party. He's like, it says on here I'm supposed to get uh like the the flag is one of the things that he, he says in the bill and they have yeah. to get it for him and it's also it also says I'm supposed to get an instruction manual and like don't push it buddy <laughs> yeah it's like hey you already signed the thing saying that you got the shit yeah and like I I guess I'm just not getting it then okay uh... <laughs> it's like um it's like a laundry chute to get him into the craft yeah. Uh, it it very much looks like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> I love this movie. It's it's funny, uh, and, and so he has a selection of four different voices that he can have the computer interact, like voices and faces that he can interact with through the computer. But three of them are the guards he just had. <laughs> yeah, and they all just they they have angry faces and they're yelling at him in the exact same way. And then the fourth one is this lady, and she's like, yeah, "This like is a, it." 
this is a, a bonus star or something i don't know if she's supposed to be a movie star she's just a lady she's like a southern yeah. belle and yeah so he picks that of course yeah it, it, she's like they they present it as a special bonus limited time option right <laughs> and she's like you chose me which means you're smart it also means you're like everybody else because everybody chooses me <laughs> i love how they make a huge deal of uh, the choice thing it's like in this moment you have free will choose the option that corresponds with your fleeting moment of free will yeah and just like so you chose me like everybody did what a shock uh yeah there, there's no real free will here i mean what were you gonna choose one of those guys who you already personally hate no it's this slimy fucking guard he's got like that smug grin when he shows up on the computer <laughs> it's really funny though i kind of wanted him to choose that guy because it's just such a funny dour over it kind of dude which does fit <laughs> with scope our guy mm-hmm. he he does feel really over it and not interested so it does kind of seem like he's just like all right, this guy's just going to give it to me straight. I'm not going to have to put up with a lot. <laughs> but so, yeah, he goes with her and the she she goes over the details. Like, okay, we're going to go to the planet. It is imperative that you plant the flag. This is the most important thing. Nothing else matters if you didn't plant the flag. Yeah, the flag above all else. And then once you've done that, you can confirm that. The flag he almost that. didn't get. Yeah, the they almost didn't even send with him. And... <laughs> uh, She's like, okay, you. when you plant the flag properly, you can come back in 30 days and it will automatically return you. <laughs> you can't control this going to a place. It just, it is on a track. <laughs> yep. And if it doesn't work, uh, make, there's the computer override switch, which uh, you'll be charged for breaking the glass. Yeah. Uh, it, you, it, this will be an expense charge to your account. So, you know, beware. Especially if it's unauthorized use, you know, the, oh, the, you'll be yeah. in a lot of trouble if you uh, do it without cause. <laughs> and like, what's proper <laughs> cause? He doesn't have an instruction manual, so who knows? <laughs> uh, well, fortunately, he's very lucky because as he lands, he's somebody's right there to meet him. Oh, it looks like it's Eastern Europe. Uh, I mean, it <laughs> it obviously looks a lot is like Eastern, Eastern Europe. Europe, but... It it looks like eighties Eastern Europe. It's snowy out. There's a guy in just one of those Eastern European cars, you know, very distinct yeah. kind of like late Soviet block, uh, <laughs> boxy black car that you know KGB operative would be driving around in, and he's got an underage prostitute with him. This guy is just tickled pink to be here to be picking up this hero. Uh, he is so happy about everything that's going on. He's like doing this whole singing happy dance while also not explaining anything. He is so thrilled with everything. Uh, this is his his name is Chudi, I think. Uh, is this Chudi? I think I have it written down as skinny. At least that's what the subtitle called him. It, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a translation. It could uh, be. Yeah. I, I believe it is this guy, and he's played by Jerzy Stur, who is like a really major Polish actor. I've seen him in all sorts of stuff. Uh, oh, shoot. I was going to look up if he was the guy in uh, War of the Worlds who is like 
the the lawyer guy who's like, oh yeah, about your wife's divorce. Now please sign on the thing, and then he has like the whole breakdown about how he's just a victim of the system too. Yes, yeah, he is the attorney in War of the Worlds, and he was. Oh, soft. he is okay. He was soft in Obi. He was Obama. soft. Yeah, that that's soft too. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but he, I mean, he, it's it's a very different performance. Obviously, soft <laughs> is is much more down, and this is him just like super up. Yeah, uh, he's got like the polka dot bow tie. And, oh no, he doesn't have the polka dot bow tie. He's got a special necktie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, he's basically like saying like, "Hey, I've got this whore for you. You can do whatever you like with her." He really wants. You'll... Yeah, he really wants to see him beat her up. That that's what he's like hungry for. It's it's evidently like he yeah. keeps gesturing, punching her. <laughs> And our, like, our guy Scope, he just, it, it's this, uh, the actor, uh, Daniel Olbritschke, he just has such a great dour face. Like, he, he's <laughs> he's got such a, he when he gives you a look, uh, just that withering look. Uh, if you even look at his IMDb profile, he's giving that look in his main photo. <laughs> he, he definitely has a great, all right. You guys keep your shit away from me, look. He's like, oh, I am so done with this. I hate all of this. <laughs> so the underage uh, prostitute once. Yep. Uh she I I'm I, I don't understand. Like I, I'm curious of her reality. Uh in conjunction with all of the rest of these. I like I don't I don't get for sure. Like, is she she can't be a human, right? Or is she like, is she part of the human space? Like, is she a, a different parallel uh, space program? She, I don't really know. She, I, I feel like she's one of those characters who just doesn't have a backstory, just fell through the cracks, what? became a prostitute. It's but just, yeah, like, how does she end up on this alien planet, though? Which I, don't think they're humans so it's it's a question um, of is she a human or is she one of these aliens or some sort of construct that's the thing because we don't i don't know we don't find out much about the people of this planet i always kind of thought they were human until we meet one guy who's definitely not the the head cop yeah but but I feel Beyond as well the, the guy the the guy who runs the restaurant I feel like he's pretty distinctly not human, and uh, that's yeah. Just the the way they react, like when he's uh, when when there's the bank robbery sequence, the way each of them react, <laughs> it feels like they're programmed to be in that situation, and they're escalating it because it's fun to do, and they're not worried about being killed. And I I do feel like maybe they're not real. That they're that this is all just sort of this weird control of this planet that they they bring these people and this cycle they go through to torture them. That would be interesting. That makes more sense than this culture developing this way normally. Well, because it feels like Westworld. Like when it, they it, land in their in their own little criminal Westworld. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, that's right. Because one of the big things Westworld advertises is like, you could just be a piece of shit here and it's fine. Yeah. And I mean, here... it's, it's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. as a, a 
uh, as a hero. It's it's what they're built for. It's what they're meant to do. Oh yeah, no, here they they must be a piece of shit. People get angry with you if you're a hero who doesn't commit crimes. <laughs> yeah, which I again I, this feels like it's to the uh satirical end of it the political satire of it with the left and the right rooms i, I feel like <laughs> he is like our, our i in terms of the satire he is a left-wing politician in office hmm. <laughs> and he's is ineffective that... and he doesn't want to do anything and just everybody's mad at him uh and he just he doesn't want to do the stuff that they want him to do yeah, he, he wants to do his own thing, but he has no power whatsoever to get his own thing done. Yeah, he can't really do anything within the system that already exists, which is built to exploit people. Uh, so he's just kind of stuck being miserable at the top and everybody's saying he's this hero with all this influence. And like, uh, by the way, we're going to size you up for this poll to put up your butt when we're done with you. Uh, and... He he just kind of has to live through this, and he everybody's trying to get him. Everybody's trying to tempt him with all of these crimes that he can do because he has this unlimited power. Supposedly, it's just it's not a power to do anything that he actually wants to do. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, in in terms of that, the left because he takes the left room, and I I feel like anytime you are in a sci-fi or theoretical place, and they make a strong distinction between a left and a right you are in a political allegory well, that, that, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's especially when he's like well why don't i all the times he's like well why don't i take the middle and they're right. all just like what a joker right yeah come on you're, you're not right for the middle room we we'd like to see someone who would be uh appropriate for the middle room but it's never happened yet and it it's yeah. mentioned a few times and they never really clarify it, but I do feel like that is some sort of third political path. Someone who is a true centrist, someone who actually does please both sides. Uh, yeah. Something along those lines. But they're like, yeah, I don't think so. You, you'll want to go on the left one. That's quieter. Uh, and we later <laughs> see our our guy that they put in the right room and he's just... <laughs> well, the, oh, the thing that, so <laughs> getting a little ahead, but it's, it's uh, when... Uh, what's her, once talks to Scope and he's like, hey, you're not like the usual here. You don't have the double chin. Because <laughs> <laughs> when our guy shows up, yeah, he is just a 30s mobster criminal. He's got a Tommy gun. He is just partying <laughs> with seven hookers the first time we see him. He's he's West Every time it. we see him. Every time we see him. He's either Tommy gunning people or uh, drinking or whoring. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, and he's meanwhile he's the right wing who just he gets in there and he <laughs> just steals all he can until someone stops him. <laughs> That's his thing. Uh, yep, and meanwhile, uh, our guy won't even wear the right hero outfit. Yeah, he, he's very uncooperative. Yeah, he he like he goes to the where his locker is supposed to be, and it's this like ridiculous <laughs> red sequined. He's like, no, I'm gonna wear this tan suit. Everyone's gonna hate it. <laughs> and then an arm grabs and strangles him from the locker. Yeah, I love this arm that comes out and grabs him. Like, uh, it, it's like a Scooby Doo bit, or I guess not Scooby Doo because they wouldn't actually have real supernatural stuff. 
it, it's it's like something out of Beetlejuice. Yeah, like <laughs> like one of those kind of things. Because just like and, an arm pops out and grabs him by the head, and he's struggling with it, and he finally pulls off the arm, and it's just a locker. Like the locker had an arm. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's a torso in the locker, but no indication that it's a person. No, it just seems to be a torso built for this, which is why I kind of feel like most of these people are some sort of construction for him to interact with or for other heroes to interact with. Like um yeah, well yeah, the arm like in Westworld. Uh, yeah. Like like an animatronic kind of thing. Yeah. The the arm here and then the other severed arm later does have that kind of element. Yeah, I mean they're clearly biological, but there's some sort of biological thing. Like I, I do feel like they're uh they're a construction, an object rather than a person. Hmm. I mean, all of I... these people. I like I don't know about once. Once is in a gray area. Uh the the prostitutes yeah. in general seem to be in a gray area. Because there's that other prostitute who has her whole soliloquy Oof. and song. <laughs> her uh, her Karen breakdown. Yeah, and it's it's unrelated to anything else, but she seems to have some personhood, which most of these don't really. I mean uh our uh, his agent guy who is so cheerful he he <laughs> he doesn't feel real he doesn't feel like a no. being he's super energetic and che- jazzed about everything but I don't he know. feels like he, he feels like the swedish chef kind of and how he's like yeah. singing and dancing all the time yeah he has <laughs> it's it's a dangerous positive energy like the swedish chef always going to kill something and put it in the pot that is is like a frequent <laughs> gag they're doing and the, yeah there there's kind of a an edgy positive energy and it's like this is a positive energy towards the worst sort of stuff mm-hmm. so once he gets his uniform he decides he's going to take uh once to the diner and get her some food she wants to rail him right there in the car and he's like I feel uncomfortable no. about this because you are underage. He's like, can I get you some food? And he's like, I would really love a bread roll. Can you just get me one bread roll? And he's like, I'll get you a bunch of food. Wait, I'll get you real food. I'll get real food. You, you, doesn't, you don't need to just have, like, I, I, I don't want to just make you beg for uh, one thing. And he goes in the place. It's got a big neon sign. I think it's fresh food, isn't it? I, I think so. Fresh food. I guess and the food is fresh. It's, it's not wrong. It's super fresh. Uh, he goes. <laughs> I I really like him trying to get the bartender's attention. It's like, can I get <laughs> four hamburgers, please? Like, we don't have those. And then he does not. <laughs> All right, continue, four sandwiches. Like, fine, four sandwiches. We don't have those either. And he's still just over at the other side talking to someone. And we haven't really seen this guy closely. And I I love it like a cat pushing a glass off the <laughs> off of the table <laughs> he very slowly moves a mug until it drops off the bar and breaks it, it's and so cat like <laughs> <laughs> and then i love i i laughed out loud when the guy like from behind you know what this guy's gonna look like he's yeah. the fat surly bartender guy he turns around and his face looks like what you know it's gonna look like but his apron just says Keep smiling. <laughs> Keep smiling. Just laughed so hard. Yeah, he is not someone who it, it feels like a smile has never graced his face. Like you can't even imagine <laughs> one on there. Yep. <laughs> and he comes over and it's like, "What do you have?" He's like, "Well, we've got hot dogs." I'm like, I will have four hot dogs then. <laughs> yeah. And the 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 hot dogs <laughs> come out and they are a bunch of severed fingers in buns. 
<laughs> he freaks. And he's, he's like, oh, he what out. the like, fuck is this? He's like, what are you talking yeah. about? That's fresh food. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, why would you do this? He's like, I, I, I can get the manager for you if you like. Yeah, he's like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure these are good. And like later when he encounters him again, his he'll still be on about it. Like, I still don't understand what your problem was with the hot dogs. They were great. They were, I tried them myself. They were fresh. There was <laughs> nothing wrong with them. And it, it is in that later scene where we realize he has like all of his fingers are gone. He's just got Not bandaged. He has a couple. Right. But he's got just a bandaged stump where most of like the and bloody bandaged stump. Yeah. yeah. Which means those were his fingers, I guess. <laughs> Which again, it does speak to yeah, like what are the these people real? Like what is their reality? <laughs> uh, so he does not end up getting the bread roll or whatever, even for once. He he gets out of there because it's just freaking him out. It's like, wait, yeah. this is a place run by cannibals? I'm not getting any food here. <laughs> he gets back into the car, but once isn't there, this uh There's a much prostitute older is. prostitute. <laughs> and he's just like okay sure fine whatever where it like she's coming on to him like super strong and super loud and he's like okay where's the girl who is here oh you like the young ass do you (laughs) blah 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 yeah she and he's like just she is going way way bigger and it is too much for him he's like i don't like this i i'm not into this (laughs) Yeah, she she realizes that he's not going to sleep with her, and she just has this fucking the biggest meltdown. It she, is like it is such an epic meltdown. Like she becomes the main character for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he disappears She's... from the movie. Everything else just fades, and she just it, it's her in the street. It feels like it becomes a musical. Like there's she's dancing, like not <laughs> dancing, but like flopping around on the car. He's just trying to get the car started and drive away, but the it whole won't time, start. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. The whole system, everything. And he can't know that you don't want me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this whole thing. Like, you, you have to take me, though, because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. Like, if you made less of a scene, it might work better for you. <laughs> Yeah. She makes the most possible scene. But again, <laughs> is it because they she wants to bring attention to him to like is it them establishing his character as someone who sleeps with underage girls as something that they can crucify him for later? At this point, I still thought that he wanted to get her to get once away from all of this. Is I mean, what I honestly thought until I still kind of I still kind of think he does. I mean, ultimately, it's just he has sort of a weird backwards way of going about it, and he doesn't totally understand the nature of this place or even who she is because he's not listening yeah. to her most of the time. No, he isn't. <laughs> uh, he's not listening to anyone because he's already like oh my god i am not gonna want to have anything to do with any of this shit he's not wrong (laughs) (laughs) no no he isn't (laughs) so she has her whole total fucking meltdown and finally he is able to get back to the rooming house where he's supposed to be staying yep uh and it's got like this welcome hero sign and christmas lights it's very Um, it, it seems to take place at christmas there's snow on the ground uh it there's does. these red christmassy lights there's over the road there's a lot roads. of christmas lights all the place all over the place 
uh, again, it, it's also very Eastern Europe winter. Uh, it, it feels very dystopian. A lot of identical buildings, long row houses. Uh, all of the cars are exactly the same. Yeah. Although, in fairness, we only really see the inside of about two buildings. That's true. That's true. So he, he, these innkeepers, or does he meet with the innkeepers first? No, he goes up and uh, he, he meets with the landlady right. and she wants, she like. We have the thing about the left and right room. room. Yeah. yeah. And he wants the middle and she's like, huh, you're I a joker, so. are you? Yeah. We don't ever see the middle room or, or learn what that's about, which I yeah. think is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. It clearly is part of the metaphor. Uh, but we, he goes to his room and uh, I think. Uh, his agent's waiting for him with a bunch of gifts, right? Uh, that that's the next day. Oh, he's, that's later. He's trying to sleep, but or like get something to eat, but all the food in the fridge is rotted. Everything's right. just gross. Everything's disgusting and in a, inedible. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. The next day, the agent shows up with breakfast in bed. He's like, "I got you all this stuff. I got you all these things. I got you gifts. I got you gifts." Uh, he's like trying to spoon feed him. He's like, "Oh, oh, okay. I see you don't want that." It's <laughs> like, so, "Yeah, knock it off." And he's got weapons. I'm like, yeah. "Oh, check it out. Uh, here's a knife. You could really stab someone with it. Stab, 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 stab." And he he it's pulls a out bomb. a bomb. You could put it on a bus. Oh, it would blow up and kill a lot of people. It'd be very exciting. It would look good on television. At this point, nobody's told him what he's supposed to be doing here I yet. I don't think anyone technically does. It's just sort of oh. gradually gathered by inference. Uh, like, our agent tells him his ultimate fate. He's like, oh, and at the end, you're going to be uh, put down this pole. And let's go to the arena so you can see the pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I love, though, he gets him. He's like, and this one's a personal gift from me. A lot of heroes don't think about it, but... KY jellies. Oh, the slippers. Yeah. <laughs> no, the jelly is from the uh the landlord. The blind girl parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. The landlord. Because uh they they're they the people who own the place. Yeah. So they drive off to the place of execution. Right. And he's still asking about once, and and the dude's like, oh, once, right? That girl from before for and he makes like an enthusiastic stabbing motion. It's for that, right? He's like, oh. and he's just like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and it's like again, just filing away the information. Like, oh, I, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll find her later. There, there's lots of prostitutes available if you want to. He, he really likes to do his big gestures, cheerfully yes. gesturing toward <laughs> about harm to others. I still can't believe he was soft. Holy shit. <laughs> Even now, I don't, I like, I'd have to see them side by side because I just don't, I, my brain won't register it. Like, I'm pretty sure it's him because I, I think that's who it would have to be. Uh, You're based probably on right. The, the people here. Because, I mean, it is, he, he was the attorney in mm-hmm. uh, the other one. And uh, the, the word chudi does translate too skinny. Oh, okay, so okay. It, it's got to be him. But yeah, it's, that's soft. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they, he takes him to the arena and it's just this big sports arena. We don't get a very clear idea of the place, but people are bustling. They're they're really getting yeah, ready for the like occasion. There's marching bands, uh, like motorcycles with guys with torches. Yeah, it's clearly uh, going to be a whole huge elaborate ceremony. Uh, and it, it gradually comes out that like I think there's some sort of he, he opens this desk which has all of these things that he's going to be beat with before oh, he's put yeah. on the pole. 
Yeah, he he's like saying, well, this is what we used to do to heroes before the whip. we came up with the pole. A whip, and he's like, he's he he's loves like the a, whip. <laughs> he's like trying to pretend like he's like gesturing like he's attacking with all these weapons, but he's so silly and awkward with it. He's he's very yeah, like he loves the idea of it. He really likes gesturing with them. Like he's into the cosplay of it. Yeah, but he's not brave enough to actually go through with it. No, it's not something he can do. That's something for heroes. Yeah, that is not for him. Yeah, he, he's just a, a ward of the state. He he just does the state's business. Uh, he he gets people to do it for him. Yeah. So uh, after showing him all these things that they won't be using to execute him, he's like, okay, so now do you agree with everything? Just sign here. And he's like, uh. No, no, I, I'd rather not. It's like, oh, you don't want to sign. And you're like, okay, I've dealt with that before. We've had people who don't want to sign. He's uh, like so angry, but like trying to keep it in. He's like, we can just do the paperwork later. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you get all the we'll paperwork done in one go. That'll be fine. Fine, fine. Uh, and and then he's like rhapsodizing about the poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a left one and a right one, and he's like, well, what about the middle one? Oh, you're a joker, eh? Yeah, we never, we we hope that one day there will be a use for the middle one, but uh, I don't think you're the guy. And uh, they, yeah, they, but again, the left and the right, and uh, he's talking about how it's going to be made and how, oh, and you know, they poured the concrete and the pole goes in the <laughs> ground and you go on the pole and everybody's happy, happy, happy. Oh, oh, oh. he's so jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's him and of course this is the first scope is hearing about that he is going to be impaled on this pole <laughs> yeah as a punishment for a crime he's going to commit he has yet to commit uh, yeah yeah uh he has not i think he's beginning to clue in that this crime doesn't appear to be optional right and also that could be anything and he doesn't really understand what it is he's supposed to do like there's yeah. there's all sorts like they just want him to commit crimes and he doesn't like there, there's none of them that appeal to him <laughs> yeah well, well the guy asks him he's like well what's your preferred crime he's like what are you talking about preferred crime yeah it's like i don't get <laughs> it I, I this isn't that's not what i'm about oh well, so, haven't you done crimes before well I mean, yeah, disobedience. Yeah, I was arrested for disobedience, which does uh, very much. It's in keeping with him on this planet. He really doesn't want to sign anything. He's really not interested in any authority. Uh, he's uh-huh. he's anti-authoritarian. So he finally goes up and is like, "Okay, I guess I'll do that stuff later. Can can you just take me back? I'd I'd like to find that that once girl." He's like, "Oh, yeah. I mean, if if you'd like to see her, I mean, I could." Yeah, I mean, I, well, that. that's, that's, I mean, that's sure, that's your right as a hero at all, but um, I guess so, sure. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you rather stab her? <laughs> he, he really wants him to hurt her. It's, it's his yeah. favorite idea, but he, he eventually convinces him to take, like, th- this is where he goes to see once, or does he talk to the landlord oh, first? He doesn't get to once for a while. He goes to the uh, landlord. He goes to the landlord. And uh, they talk about with the, the daughter. Family. <laughs> yeah. They're the blind sca- daughter. The scare quotes blind daughter, uh, who's, like, very obviously not blind. 
yeah it's, it's pretty clear for, like right from the start it's it's especially clear the next time you see her but they're like oh are you know our daughter's blind if you could give a small donation for her i mean her the the surgery is very expensive the cataracts yeah she obviously does not have cataracts for yeah one. yeah obviously like she's not a person who has cataracts you can see cataracts <laughs> but it's like well you know you won't need the bunny because of you know where what you're going to be doing right and this is the girl is she's the girlfriend from the previous like she she was the tightrope walker in obio right uh, she's it's like again repertory yeah. cast uh-huh. so it kind of seemed like she was maybe going to be more of a character because it's her but she really doesn't have much to do no uh, but it's it's gross because they're doing the whole thing about how yeah you, you know she really you know it's it's hard on her you know it's a tough life and we would really appreciate just some extra money and and like and you know maybe you know if you want later on we could send her up to your room you could do whatever you want with her i mean she doesn't get a lot of entertainment either <laughs> oh and can you please sign this book for her yeah and scope is just like <laughs> sign the book I for the blind this. daughter like scope looks like a really angry pat sajak <laughs> mm, mm. wheel of fortune <laughs> it's just like oh, i don't oh, god damn it <laughs> yeah he 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 knows this is bullshit. I don't think he does know it's actually, bullshit. Actually, no, he doesn't because he gives them money later. He finds out after giving them the money that it's bullshit. Yeah, he seems to be taken in by it. He is just an easy mark for a sob story, which again, it does kind of make him feel yeah. like he is supposed to be the left-wing politician. He's like, okay, he's an easy mark for yeah. a fake charity. I'm like, fine, yeah, I, I will help with that. I'm going to really do something about that. And then we have is it, it it's here that the other hero the first right. time we actually see the other hero and he's wearing the ridiculous outfit and we can see how stupid it looks it's it's like a it's sort of a 20s flapper lady outfit but on a guy <laughs> and, and yeah he's like got this trail of sex workers and they're like hollering and partying and He's got booze, he's got drugs, he's got guns, and he is having a great time. And Scope just hurries back to his room. He's like, oh man, I don't want to interact with these yeah, people. I don't want to deal with that guy. That guy's gross. Uh, and he has I mean, a double like, chin, he's bald, he does look yep. like... Uh, he he looks like an official in the Soviet Union. He does. He looks like someone who would occupy a middle management <laughs> position in the government in the Soviet Union. So, <laughs> and he, he just looks like a, a gross bureaucrat guy and he's got a gun and he's cackling and he's got all these prostitutes. And it's like, okay, here's here's our right guy, our, our guy on the right. <sighs> just enjoying the role that society has made for him. Yeah, he is playing it like Westworld completely. <laughs> So it is the next day that he encounter like the 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 uh, that uh, Chudi yeah, the is taking day, him to once. Yeah, yeah. He's basically saying like, "Will you please fuck her?" Yeah, and the guy's please, like, "I need you to. You've got to commit some sort of crime. This is really important to you, isn't it? All right, I'll do it." Yeah, and I don't think he's actually so much agreeing to do it as he's been looking for her and he wants to save her. So he's like, and this okay, is this is the easiest way to get him. to her. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, at that, this point, that's what I think. Yeah, I don't um, like he. So he goes there, and it's weird and awkward. She just yeah, they you can't say that they're fucking. No, and I don't because they're not. Yeah, I I really don't think there he has any intention of it. He feels weird about it, but there's a point where they're sitting on the bed together and there's like a suggestion of it and just police come in through every entrance. It's like <laughs> Brazil at the start, just police just <laughs> busting in through the ceiling, through the windows. And one of these was, cops is super powered. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like, no one expects the Australian inquisition. <laughs> yeah. It's got that kind of vibe. Just they're, they're pouring in from all over the place. They were waiting for the moment. Like it's, there's clearly like recording equipment. This is a set, not her home. <laughs> Yeah, and one of them even brought in like a replica giant steak. Oh yeah, to, to, <laughs> like, to get just to get you used, used, to, used it. to it, and you can hit him with it, and like yeah, it's a big pole. <sighs> and the cops like, okay, so he's doing statutory rape of a minor, and the judge is like, evidence, and the cop just grabs her, throws her on top of him, uh, lifts up her skirt, rips her blouse, takes a photo. There's the evidence. And they're like, it's kind of thin. There's not a lot to go on. Uh, he's like, yeah, you're right. We, let's see if we can spice this up. This this isn't really something you want to... Uh, th- th- there's not enough for the public. Yeah. You know, th- this isn't so, something you, you would crucify someone for. So it's like, oh, we could do some resisting arrest. And he, he kind of <laughs> grapples he with him. <laughs> yeah, he, the cop grabs Scope and like by the neck and lifts him up over the ear scope like punches him and starts pounding him doesn't do anything but he pulls his arm off (laughs) he pulls his arm off and the cop's just laughing he's like hey look see that you get a picture of that there there you go we've got some good government official yeah this is perfect this is you know this is a little bit more but they're still like it's it's thin though we'd really like you to try a little harder so he they take him into a room with i guess a lawyer i'm not sure what pernat's supposed to be here yeah i think he's some sort of lawyer yeah and he's like saying yeah not bad statutory rape uh, but it's not enough uh we need more you gotta do more than this and scope's like well why don't you just impale me anyway you obviously want to it's like, yeah, but people would feel weird about it. You got to commit the be, crime, though, you know? <laughs> it would be immoral. Yeah. You got to commit the crime for us. To, like, we we need to kill you. It's it's going to be so <laughs> good for our culture to kill you. It's, it's what we really, like, we love to crucify someone, but they got to do something bad first. We'll feel bad about it. yeah yeah we we need the blood on tv but he's just like okay fine fine i will sure uh and and the guy's like okay now sign this right he's he's, first he doesn't want to sign right it's again still the same thing like i do not want to sign this thing where they're going to impale me up the ass with this giant spike (laughs) i really don't want to Oh, I love earlier when he's like watching the TV and it's like, now here's a model of what it's going to look like. <laughs> it's the only thing that's ever on television, too. <laughs> it's like, he has to make sure that he sits up perfectly straight or it'll just come out through his stomach and we'll have to start again. Oh, man. <laughs> so he signs it, uh, he signs it as Gaga. Right. And the guy's like, gaga yeah what children do right yeah 
And the guy's like so mad. He's like, okay, well, if you won't sign it, that's fine. We can just do it without the paperwork. But he's so angry, just like the other guy was. Yeah, they they really care about paperwork. It's the only thing that really matters. Uh, so this guy, like, I think he is supposed to be a police officer. Uh, he's he's credited oh, like just as investigating officer. Oh, okay, like a like a detective or an inspector or something. Yeah, he does not have a name though. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they they do this whole thing, and he's like, "Fine, fine, I, I'm signing it with a different name. How, how do you like that?" Again, he's he's doing his civil disobedience in the only yeah. minimal way he's able to. And, and like they they want crime so much, but not this crime. This, not failing or failing to do the paperwork, though. That's unthinkable. The paperwork is well. It's also just. Uh, such an uninteresting crime. No one's going to care about that. They totally can't crucify him for it. And it's also like, you got to sign it so we have the paperwork so that we're allowed to do it. So, you know, it's all by yeah. the book. We're not the criminals. You're the criminal. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a lot. Uh, <laughs> so he's finally <laughs> like, okay, fine. I, I'll commit a crime. Uh, he, he goes back to the apartment and this is where he meets with the guy who gives him the KY, right? Uh, oh, actually, no, that, that was the, that was the blind girl's father. I gave it to him as a parting gift because sometimes they forget to put it on the pole and he just yeah. need that lubrication. Right. I, I, I thought maybe it was, uh, it was when he went back. Cause this, he goes back and he gets the gifts. He, he takes the Tommy gun. Yeah. Uh, he to, takes the Tommy gun. He goes back. Um, so it, he it's goes to before the pimp. that. Yeah. He goes to the pimp and yeah. he's going to, uh, attack him. Yeah, the pimp's like, okay, well, I'll tell you where he, I'll tell you where once is, but I want two bags of money first. Right, right. Uh, so he, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, this guy, uh, he was the engineer in Obi Oba. Oh, the pimp was. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, he, you know, he was the guy who refused to get back up. Right, right. The but, guy who died of not giving a shit. Yeah, and he was also in Gollum. He was the champion of sleep. Okay. I I vaguely recall uh, just because it's such a. I think he was just like the guy name. lying down on the escalator. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was in both of those as well. It's Jan Novicki. Yeah, and his his whole thing is like, man, heroes are great. They get to do the big crime. Get the big reward, get the big punishment. Everyone else, they do the small crime, they get the small reward, they still die anyway. Yeah, yeah, what a drag. Uh, yeah. So he's like, you get me the money, I'll I'll tell you where she is. So he decides he's going to rob the bank. He gets the Tommy gun. <laughs> I love, I love yeah, the one bank. of my favorite bank robberies in film. It's so absurdist, because like, he goes in there and he's got the gun, but he doesn't like he he he's not emphatic about it. It's like I, this is this is a robbery. <laughs> he's embarrassed. They don't even look up at first. <laughs> you know, like, are you for real? You got to put your back into it. And so he like fires into the air. There's this one lady who's there who's in the <laughs> bank. And she just like she's like she keeps screaming theatrically and it, like almost questioningly. And it's like, are, are, is this starting? Oh 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 oh. Yeah, she'll start screaming, and then he'll just like he'll look at her and take like a plan. Could and... you please, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he picks up a plant and throws it. Go, oh, oh. 
and it's not going great. They're like, get me two bags of money. And they're like, oh, okay. And they're slowly going about it. This isn't a very good robbery. And then who should bust in but the other hero? <laughs> he guns down fucking everybody. everybody. Massacres every single person in the bank. He's like, this is great. What a great time. Hey, buddy. And this is finally a crime that he can agree with. He shoots him in the fucking head. Yeah, and the dude, like... The dude, like, takes a few steps, walks, crashes through the window so, like, his neck is is uh, impaled on glass. Yeah, it is a hard death. Like, because it's, it's a very good effect as well. The bullet hole in his bald head uh, is, is quite <laughs> intense. And just him stumbling over and then falling through the glass. Uh, it, it's a very intense moment after being a pretty light, almost straight comedy film up to this point. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, yep. I okay, I guess I've done a real crime now. So he takes the money and he goes back to the pimp. Yeah, he goes back to the pimp. Uh, Pimp's got the girl there. It's like, all right, you got the money. And he tosses him one bag and it's like, uh, I, asked for I said two. there was supposed to be two. <laughs> and the guy's like, you know, my whole thing is that everybody wants me to murder people. I could murder you. And he's like, fair enough. Mm. <laughs> like. I'll take my one bag and be happy. Yeah, like, yeah, all right, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, nobody has used this argument on me before. I feel like it, it's probably, this is an unusual path for him to take. And he's like, oh, you're you're trying to save a prostitute. And this is weird. I don't <laughs> know what to make of this. Fine. Uh, I, I could do with one bag instead of dying now. Yeah. Uh, he... He takes the bag of the other bag of money and gives it to the blind girl's family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she starts counting. It. She's looking at them. She's like holding up the bills to the light. She's thrilled. He's like, oh. And the dad's like, oh, uh, it's a miracle. She can see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he's like, eh, whatever. And he just leaves. It's like, fine. I'm <laughs> once. Let's get the fuck out of this place. I hate this planet. <laughs> As he's driving back to the uh, to the shuttlecraft, uh, his handler, the agent guy, um, ah, fuck, you uh, know the guy, Chudi, Chudi, that's it. Comes, he's like driving beside them in the sidecar of a motorbike. He's like, "You did the best crime ever! Holy shit, killing another hero! We didn't even imagine this." He's like, "This was killing like your accomplice." Is how they're yes. framing it. It's like, oh, the two of you were working together and you killed your accomplice. This is great. This is great theatrical stuff. Oh, man, we're we're looking forward to putting you on the pole. It's going to be so awesome. Let's just head right back there. <laughs> he, they crash into a snow bank. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because they're not looking. <laughs> so they crash. And it's like, oh, fuck. So they, they pile out. They get into the thing they realize that they haven't put up the flag properly it's like fallen over and it's like yeah, fuck and it's like it's it is the <laughs> the you know the lady on the computer it is of the utmost importance that the flag be planted <laughs> so they activate the computer override and the smarmy guard comes on he's like hey you know you're going to be charged for the glass right we can't just can't just override us like that. Yeah, and I, and of course he just points the the Tommy gun, at the computer. <laughs> yeah, it's like you want some of like, this? <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right, we'll go uh, charting course back to Earth, right? He's like, no, I want to go to a new planet without all of these assholes. Let's find the nearest <laughs> the... empty planet with nobody on it. 
And <laughs> that's it. It literally says, and they lived happily ever after and gave rise to a new civilization. Right. They become an Adam and Eve. Scope and once. Yep. Uh, and it's it's <laughs> like for one of these Piotr Shulkin movies, it is an unbelievably happy ending. Like it's still super dark and weird, and like there's <laughs> an uncertain future. But obviously, they did live happily ever after. So they didn't die. It's like, hey, I mean, that is by far the most positive ending that has happened in any of these. <laughs> I know, right? He escaped. Like, <laughs> he got out of society. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you win. Yeah, the last one is this. Mm. We we held up in a dome. The dome broke, and everybody fucking died. Yeah, all and the last yeah, everybody died. Humanity was just awful. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, and this one is like, eh, you got away from society. That's the key. You just have to escape from all of the bullshit. It's great. Yeah, I fucking love it. So give me your rankings. Uh, um, this is hard actually mm-hmm. because, uh. War of the Worlds is obviously number one. Yeah. This and Gollum kind of shift uh, between two and three. It's like super close. Fair. And then Obioba, just because with my eye sensitivity, I actually have a hard time watching it. It's oh, right. The low light, the too. And also, yeah. it's a bummer. It's such a drag. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Same. Uh, same, basically. Easily War of the Worlds, number one. This one. I put number two because of the humor. Uh, number three, Gollum, because it's just such a weird, uncanny mystery. And yeah, Obioba, fourth. I mean, I think those three are all practically equal. But yeah, it, uh, it, 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 it's at the bottom because it is just, it is a drag. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it's uh... <laughs> So we have one additional film to go over this week next we're doing michael j murphy's 1990 picture torment torment is a bloody good film it is a bloody it's a better film than bloodstream oh it is a much better film than bloodstream i looked it up uh the gay guy in this is the killer in bloodstream okay i thought so yeah uh i mean he he does have his repertory cast just like shulkin he's got a lot of people who recur so Torment from 1990, although, as we said, it really feels like it should be mid-80s. It's very new wave. <laughs> Our main character, Annabelle, is a new wave singer, and she is doing 80s pop ballads. Yeah, uh, 80s music videos, uh, 80s fashion, 80s hair. Are we sure he didn't just make this in 85? I'm pretty sure it was made in 90. I mean, it's lagging behind because it's the DIY. You know, culture is not at the cutting edge when you're, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I imagine he's making it in like 89, but, you know, he's he makes a lot of it. It's yeah, you're it's true. The culture wasn't didn't move at the speed of light back then well and it's also that it moves at different paces depending where you're at like if you're in hollywood you're at the cutting edge but if you're making diy backyard films in britain you might be a few years behind uh the the, yeah. the trends also i think this movie is very heavily based on riffing on uh an existing movie uh from germany called the fan or the fan uh which is from 1982 it is about a new wave singer uh it, it's it's gender swapped though 
Because in oh, Dufan, okay. so the, the guy is the singer. Yeah, the guy is the the pop singer, and it's it's just this obsessive teen fan who uh, is, is dallying with him, uh, and it's it's a different ending too. Uh, but <laughs> I did not see the ending of this one coming. <laughs> yeah, it's a similar kind of thing, but slightly different twist. Uh, but a very interesting <laughs> film. I highly recommend it. This one actually kind of gave me Park Chan-wook vibes. Well, it is an erotic thriller, for real. And mm-hmm. and certainly a lot of the movies we've watched from Park Chan-wook are within the erotic thriller genre. I mean, Handmaiden is an erotic thriller. Decision to Leave is an erotic thriller. Thirst, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, Thirst, kind of an erotic thriller. And yeah, this has, this is that. It's a... It's, uh, it is a 1990 erotic thriller, but it feels much earlier. It feels more primordial than something like Basic Instinct, which comes out, you know, a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. At the height of the genre. Yeah, but this is this is great. It's oh, I love a it. lot of fun. I love it. <laughs> I, I think it's definitely a, one of my favorite ones in the Michael J. Murphy set so far. I... Well, I mean, I've only seen a couple, and this is easily the best one. Mm-hmm. I think you've seen three, because you also did Invitation yeah. Hell. That's right. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. But yeah, and this is better than that. Yes. Yes, I agree. So we begin with uh, our opening is our killer. Uh, we're going to very quickly find out our, our killer, Matt, is cutting out what looks like he's making like a vision board of uh, Annabelle the up-and-coming like pop superstar of the time yeah this guy he's also in just a bunch of he, he's in a bunch of the michael j murphy ones so I've, I've seen him in a few other ones already he was in death run he was in avalon he's also in the next one okay. atlantis <laughs> <laughs> so annabelle is currently I guess she's supposed to be on like vacation, sort of. It's it's like an or, artist retreat or something. She, that's I, I feel like there is a mental health concern that she's maybe had some sort of nervous breakdown, and that they've sent her to the country to recuperate because she is on medication. Yeah. It's not something that is heavily featured, but there are a few times where Matt is like, you know, you you. you don't need to you take don't that need stuff. Those. Yeah, you don't need those. And in the moment, it sort of seems like they're supposed to be diet pills or something. But I yeah. think based on the twist at the end, that they are antipsychotic medication. Yeah, because she never mentions what they are. He just decides she doesn't need them. Right. It's like, uh, how do you know that's not like her heart medicine? Right. And it could also be that he is a guy who is also supposed to be on antipsychotic medication. So maybe well, he does recognize yeah. it and is like, you don't need those because uh, I, I don't believe in that stuff. Uh, could be that. Too. But it, it is his fatal error, obviously. <laughs> yeah so like yeah she uh, i think she's on some sort of retreat she maybe had some sort of nervous breakdown because she's also very oppositional with all of the people that she works with. all of the crew yeah. i mean all of them well, from, are kind of messing with her all of them are trying to fuck her over in some way or another yeah yeah um like well from the headlines we can see that she just broke up with her boyfriend superstar craig kane right who Which, doesn't uh, have much to do in the movie. He's here to die. Yeah, he's he's just got like a scene. There, There's not really much for him. 
Because, I mean, that's yeah. most of them. All of them are characters who are there to show up to be killed without her realizing it for, like, the longest fucking time. Yeah, the first one we meet is actually also the last one to die is Mike, the uh, her manager, who is clearly working her to the bone and, like, just... He's he's the shitty manager type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, this is another dude who's just in all of these uh, Michael J. Murphy ones. He's been in everything since Death Run. And I think he's in all of them afterward or something. He's in a bunch of them. Cool. This guy, cool. Phil Linden. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, he seems to have some sort of scheme going on all the time. Uh, yeah. he, he He seems like a scuzzy manager. Yeah, he's like, you need to write the songs and all that. Come back to London. You're not getting anything done here. Mm-hmm. And and they argue about it. And, and he's like, I just don't see you as the country type. And she's like, that's – I do actually like this line. She's like, that's because you don't know me. And she points at her music video on the TV. It's like, you know her. Yeah. Uh, she is a constructed image. She is mm-hmm. – and, and I, I think that's part of this whole retreat is that she – has grown exhausted with her image. She's tired of being a pop star. And it definitely is keyed into this mental health problem. Yeah. And one of the songs that she later writes, she's like saying every day she knows less and less about who she is. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think she's supposed to be trying to find herself. And she's and the manager is like, no, you're supposed to. From the fame. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, torment that song, torment. You torment me. Yeah. Uh, and it like it, it is about the business. It it is about the fandom. It's like she doesn't want to do any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, a murder happens. Right. We don't see who's doing it, but once we meet Matthew, it's pretty obvious that it's him. Just because there's no other character that has been introduced that it could be. And he wears the exact same pants. Yeah, he's got the pants. Yeah, yeah. The murder is—he kills some lady in a park uh, after the bars close. Yeah, after she tells him where Annabelle lives. Mm -hmm. I don't recall. Like, I don't really know what her her connection is with her. I think she just recognized Annabelle and was like, "Oh yeah, there's a superstar thing here in town." I, I think it's probably just that. Yeah, I, I guess so, because there's she really only exists for the one scene, and it it's not really a thing that comes up again, because she's just not a known character. So he yeah. insinuates himself into her life. Uh, he shows yeah, up and he, he offers should... his work as a handyman. <laughs> to fix the fence, I'm... <laughs> I'm just having the wrong guy flashbacks. Yeah, it is completely that thing. Oh, I could mend your fence. Uh, and he does a shitty job of the fence too. Because he doesn't know how to do anything. He, he's he's a fucking murderer. <laughs> he's just a psychotic person. And yep. and it's weird the way he interacts with her because at first he pretends he's not a fan. He says he has this girlfriend. He's like, yeah, you know, she's a big fan. I think you're rubbish. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm actually totally obsessed with you. Uh, and it, it, yeah, there's just these weird back and forths where he's intentionally making himself suspicious to her yeah yeah she's like you know i heard there was a killer here how do i know it's not you and it's like oh it might be me. you don't it might be me and it is him <laughs> it, is him. it is him so it's like okay uh she's I, I don't get her deal as well it 
she's still on her medication at this point. So her dallying with him is definitely playing with fire and she kind of knows it from the beginning, but I don't know. I, like we don't get a clear idea of her. It, it's true that we don't understand her. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, no, she clearly changes her mind at some point while he's building or fixing the fence. Yeah. She's like, okay, I'm going to keep this guy around. It's like, okay, you need to fix this, this, and this. Fix that, fix that. Uh, this is broken. It, it's like she decides that she wants to bang him. So it's like she wants him to stick yeah. around. And it's like, all right, well, let's make up a bunch of work for him to do so he can stick around and I can bang him. Which, at least having seen Defan, I think that's basically the concept. It's just... I don't know. It it does feel weird. I don't understand why she, she the guy is kind of a mope. I, I don't, she doesn't seem like she, <laughs> I don't get why she's attracted to him in any way, but she does seem to be, she falls in love with him. She certainly says yep. that she fell in love with him later on. Uh, well, one guy mentions that he kind of looks like a working class Craig Kane. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe yeah, the, I, I don't I know. I guess it's because really... he kind of looks like her ex uh maybe my theory is that she could tell that he was like unhealthy obsessed and she was into that yeah it could be like i i definitely feel there is an element of playing with fire intentionally where she sees this guy and he is dangerous and she wants something dangerous Uh but she doesn't realize how dangerous at first and he slow like at this point it turns into a slasher movie basically yeah he's killing every other character without her realizing that any characters are being killed yeah yeah the first one to show up uh because the manager is just sending all these people down to make sure that she's doing work and not sleeping with the handyman which she's doing and she's not which working. she is doing nope <laughs> and the first one to show up is guy the choreographer who is our killer from bloodstream right and uh, he's very obviously gay in this. He also speaks like a Disney villain. He's so queer. Uh, and he's interested in Matthew as well. But he's also yeah. you know, troubled by him. Yeah, it's like, yeah, obviously I see why you want him. I don't, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but like, you are supposed to be doing all this stuff for the music industry here. And to make us money. Yeah. So this is uh, Patrick Oliver, who, again, he's in all of these movies. He's in every single one. Like, he's in Bloodstream, and then he's in every single one after that. Nice, nice. (laughs) Just one of these dudes. (laughs) He's the Messiah in Death Run. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Death Run's like a... So Messiah, I think, if I recall correctly, he's sort of the humongous Oh, He's okay, okay. Oh, this type. guy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but he he also starts putting himself in between Matt and uh, Anna, yeah. which that's, causes Matt. It's sort of the job. That's what he was sent yeah. to do. Yeah, it's specifically what he's sent yeah. to do. So the next thing we see is, <laughs> I just got it as Matt's music video masturbation montage yeah weird <laughs> where <laughs> remember in bloodstream it was just uh the guy sitting and like getting more psychotic by watching violent movies yeah exactly and so we do that but music he's, videos and he's hot for it because this is an erotic yeah, thriller he's naked and 
he's naked and jerking it. There's a fair amount of nudity in this as well. Like we don't have like we're we're not seeing him masturbate. No, we're not. It's but not we hardcore, know what he's But yeah, doing. it's very obvious. And yeah. it's just kind of gross because it's he's fully naked and it's not his plow, not his house. <laughs> I think it's her house because I think he's oh. kind of living there now randomly because it's a big place. That could be. Could be. I, I did think it was his it house, but be. it could be hers. Yeah, I'm not sure. It would be creepier, and it would make more sense. It, it fits with the character. Yep. <laughs> but you know he's watching these videos and it's uh, the choreographer's work and he he ulti- like it's a while before he kills the choreographer is he the first to die it, it is cuz no he brings in other people first the choreographer does die first but he has to bring in the sister before he does right so the sister is just like not into any of this uh does not approve of Matt existing um does not approve of anything that anna does or doesn't do Mm -hmm. and and they get into like this big fight at dinner and like anna's started drinking again uh, which has they allude to that having been one of the problems yeah i mean i think all of this is tied into him getting her off her meds and that she's sort of drifting down this path that she's not supposed to and they realize that she's going back to all these decisions but he keeps taking out the support network that would potentially get her on the right track and save him from her. <laughs> yeah. So um, he kill. He does eventually end up killing Guy uh, with, a, with like a serrated bread knife. Yeah. It's very bloody. The kills in this are extremely it, it really hilariously bloody. bloody, but they don't look very real. They're not like gory. No. They're just, there's so much blood. <laughs> but yeah, Guy guy gets to say the the line like be careful with her. She's not a real person. She's a product. Yeah. And and he's right. Uh she she yep. kind of is a, a packaged being. Uh and he doesn't know what he's playing with. So he gets killed. Uh the sister gets killed. Sister doesn't die for a while Quite yet, a while. actually. I thought it was right it next, isn't. but no, she lives for a long time after she, this. Is she the last one before Mike? She's the last one before and Mike, And there's like yes. a couple others who are just like, I don't think they even have names. Um. So, so after, after Guy kill, gets killed, uh, Mike tells her that, <laughs> oh shoot, somehow they find out that it's, that it's Matt who's doing the killing. They're pretty sure, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the police sketch of somebody who witnessed the crime looks just like him. Right. So, there, There is a, the, the inspector character who briefly shows up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But like, like all cops, he doesn't do anything for this. So they have a show. Uh, Mike gets her to... Tells her that they caught the killer so that she can just focus on the show. And Fiona's like, well, what happens if the killer shows up? It's like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Right. So they do a con. Do they do a concert? They do a concert. Yeah. They it's two full songs uh, <laughs> that we watched the full entire thing. Of. Right. One of them is torment, and which is why it's one of so catchy. And it partly it's just that there is five words in the song. And one of them is the title of the movie <laughs> and they just really belt it out. But it is a fun song. It is a song that it's just, it's super catchy. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, we yeah we have the whole concert thing, and then we kind of enter end game. Yeah, Matt kills uh, the ex boyfriend who showed up at the concert to be a dick. Of course. And then uh, Anna has a breakdown because it's like you told me that he was caught. You lied to me to make me do the song. It's like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what we do. And it's also kind of why you're here. You know, this is also to control you. And she kind of freaks yeah, out. But... but also, Matthew is like, he thinks he's protecting her now by killing these people because she's mad at them. Mm-hmm. So Matthew shows up at the house again, takes out the security guard and wears his coat. And that's how he gets Fiona. Mm-hmm. Uh, kills her in the shed. And then uh, finally he co- he confronts Anna and is like, I killed them all because I'm protecting you and I love you. And she's and... like, but I loved them. I can't believe you do all this stuff. And you lied to me. And now I'm going to show you. And obviously. Yeah, she knocks him out with the bottle and I thought the movie was over. And But no, now we enter like the last 20 minutes, half an hour of she has minutes, him yeah. tied to a chair and she's just slowly torturing him to death she's not feeding him she's uh got him naked tied to a chair and is just you know letting him die she's she is yelling at him daily telling about how much he sucks and how much he's ruined her life she's also fucking him oh yeah all the time uh tying him up to the bed yeah uh she 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 leonard likes yeah just for fun she's really uh just using him uh as he used her uh she's just kind of letting his life run out there there's periods where people show up and he's like trying to call for help but he's too weak (laughs) it's a very weird Uh, swerve and a very dark ending to it yeah so so mike ends up showing up and finds matt tied up to the chair and anna shoots him in the head and matt's just like covered like they threw a bucket yeah. of red paint on yeah. him. <laughs> There's so much gore on him. And he doesn't even react because he's been in this chair for so long that he's just like at his end. He's praying for he's death. He's totally praying for death. It is another pray for death situation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Leave my producer and choreographer alone. If you don't, you will pray for death. My man is fucking praying for death and it slowly comes. Yeah, it, it, he doesn't get the 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 ease of the sawmill. He, he it's going to just be tortured out of him day after day until they finally go to the beach and just lie there and wait for the tide to take him over. Because they there was this one part where they went to the beach earlier, and we have established that the tide comes in extreme extraordinarily fast there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're going to lie yeah. down on this part, and once it starts coming in, we're just going to be underwater, and that's going to be it. So yeah, it's also a decision to leave ending. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, it, it's funny, I made the Park Chan-wook connection before I saw the that it basically is the same ending. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's these erotic thriller things that they're doing. It's just interesting, like, I wonder if this movie did get passed around, if, if people have seen this, because... I mean, the, the Park Chan-wook thing, it kind of does feel like maybe he could have seen this, but it's so obscure. <laughs> it, it's I'd be shocked if he did. I'd be amazed. It has 60 but... ratings on IMDb. 60. <laughs> <laughs> and 
had you know if Park Chan-wook has even said the name of Michael J. Murphy, it would have more impact. It seems unlikely, yeah. He's a new discovery for most people. I mean, he, he was like a, a guy who did who released VHS tapes that he made himself and locally distributed in the UK. So hard stuff to see for a long time. Although yeah. some of them got out there. Yeah, this this was this great. I, I love, I love this. Torment. It's so much fun. The song's surprisingly great. Yeah, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, these songs aren't catchy. I'm not going to remember these at all. And then the next day at work, I'm like, oh, you torment me. Oh, you torment me. I'm in a torment. Because yeah, it is just, it is in there. It's like I said, there's those five words and you just hear them over and over. And like, that is in my head. It's not a good song. It's just a catchy one. Uh, they rhyme fire and higher. <laughs> I've heard worse. <laughs> yeah. For it being a direct, at least they're not rhyming best with best. Yeah, I mean, for it being a direct to VHS homemade DIY thing, they're crazy good songs. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Yeah. Um, and the music videos, for how much this must have cost to make, they look authentic. Well, yeah, that's much like the the Bloodstream thing. The high value production for being so DIY is that like where he has all those homemade other fragments of films that don't even exist that are just there for a thing yeah. that he's watching on tv that's cool mm. high effort shit i appreciate that about the Michael yeah. J. murphy pictures yeah no he, get, he got a lot of bang for his buck with this yeah. one yeah so those are our two other features uh do you have any last thoughts on either torment or uh shit what was the other movie <laughs> Uh, Gaga, uh, Gaga. Glory to the Heroes. <laughs> I just love how, how how like they're talking about the concert and Mike's like, "All right, I need you making songs to make me money." And then she sings, "It feels like I'm just making money songs for the money, man." Yeah, I'm just imagining Mike like just making fantastic. songs for the money, man. Yeah, again, where does she get these ideas? Catchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's head on to our third and final section and we're back for our third and final section where we're talking about all the other movies that we've watched in the past week and decide what to cover next week uh but first i forgot to do something in the first part because it's the first normal stacks pick we've done in months <laughs> so a uh, the uh rodan is a two-pack with war of the gargantuas so uh for our for our uh, the addition to the stacks after that we will choose either between war of the gargantuas which is another ishiro honda film uh okay it's another kaiju uh this is part of the for some reason there's this huge vogue for frankenstein in japan uh oh. around this time in the 50s there, there's like this big frankenstein revival i think maybe uh, the original 30s Frankenstein had not really gotten there until post-war, maybe. Oh, okay. It was a huge sensation. Really, really popular. And they did kaiju films of Frankenstein. So Frankenstein as a kaiju. Uh, there's, there's one where he fights King Kong. But uh, this, is, this is a Frankenstein kaiju film. Nice. 
uh, and there's two of them, and they just fucking run at each other full tilt. <laughs> they run like the, the the fun thing about the gargantuas is that they are running monsters. They're like a full body suit, but it's pretty light, so it's like a fur suit, uh, oh. like a sort of a gorilla esque thing. You know, he's a he's a, they're a Frankenstein, and they'll just right. like run through the miniatures full tilt. Cool, it's like smashing through buildings like a Kool Aid man. It's good shit. Nice, nice. So we could do like either. It. We could do either that or Conga. It's another, uh, th- this one's a British kaiju film. Uh, there's this dude who's lost in Africa and he gets this baby chimp and comes back to London with it. And he's a mad scientist. So <laughs> and he's got all these old rivals that he's, you know, wants his revenge on. And he learns about this uh this flower this plant that's very rare and dangerous but it accelerates animal growth it's like a thing that he learned while he was lost in the jungle so Mm. he injects the chimp with it and it grows big enough that he has it go kill his enemies for him but then it grows (laughs) to like 50 feet tall and starts attacking the city you know as oh shit (laughs) (laughs) of course so do you want to do war the gargantuas or conga next in the uh, back. let's do war of the gargantuas because then congo would be right under that right yep cool that is correct uh so right. i will add that in right now uh so for our uh second st- second pick we have 12 options here it looks like all right First up, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> Your babies! Uh, wow. It stinks. It's really fucking bad. Uh, like, I, I I, have so much nostalgia for it. Like, it is a movie that I saw as a kid, and I didn't love it. You know, I it, it did take me out of the series. I didn't see three as a kid. Never. Mm. Uh, I watched this so many times. I saw, I watched this so many times. <laughs> uh, that fucking Vanilla Ice song. I could not believe how fucking long it went on uh, rewatching <laughs> it this time. Go, Ninja. I, I go, Ninja. Go, go, like a minute go, and a half. Go, go. The problem is that there's like maybe a minute and a half on the soundtrack version. There's about a minute and a half of song the thing is they do it over and over and over again so you hear like oh. the same few lyrics like 85 times <laughs> i'm oh not my having god it. <laughs> uh they look man, worse. my little kid brain would have loved that <laughs> yeah they they look worse like the the costumes do not look as good i think maybe just because it's a lot brighter it's shot in much brighter lighting it's i mean one of the big problems is they're not allowed to use their weapons anymore <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> they have to fight these burglars with like hot dogs. Yeah, there's a part where Michelangelo is whipping around some sausages instead of nunchucks because he's not allowed to use the nunchucks. It's just dumb. I mean, the, the problem is that they wanted to move the series closer to the cartoon show. So they're doing it close to that, but I. But they still didn't do it right. They didn't do like they. If instead of Toka and Razor, they had actually had Bebop and Rocksteady, they would have satisfied fans quite a bit more. I have to imagine... Even as a kid, I was mad about that. I I completely agree. Uh, I I have to imagine that they just didn't have the rights to anything other than the Eastman Laird stuff. 
and all of that other stuff comes from the cartoon yeah. it was created for the cartoon so no krang they should have had krang oh man they had dimension yeah. x that shit would have been cool. i mean they had a professor who did mutagen. They could have just made him Baxter Stockman. He could have been Baxter Stockman. The great David Warner is Baxter got... Stockman. I would have been into that. Oh, hell, you could have got Jeff Goldblum to pay. Uh, <laughs> probably couldn't have afforded Jeff Goldblum. I don't think Jeff Goldblum would have been. This is like the year before he's in Jurassic Park. He was in The Fly, though. I know, but that was like five years earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know. He yeah, didn't come back to the be sequel. On the radar. <laughs> oh, right. Uh... But yeah, it's bad. Uh, I I would say that admittedly it is just bad. Uh, it's I I still have fun because I've seen it a billion times as a kid and I was laughing at it. But it's it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Super Shredder. This time they didn't have to murder him. He killed himself. Yeah, that that is again part of they're not allowed to use any violence. They just. The, the the villain defeats himself uh the toka and razor they just feed him a bunch of antacids and they die <laughs> what i forgot about that yeah it's dumb <laughs> it's during the villain they, the 10 minutes of the go ninja go they uh they made casey jones not a murderer anymore by making shredder survive so he's just an attempted murderer he's not even in this it's a bummer. Oh, right. What? Yeah, they just leave him out entirely. Oh, my God. He's not in this one. He's in the next one. They yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So. I forgot he wasn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even show up. In my up. brain, Casey Jones is in this movie. I presume he's in jail. Because <laughs> I think I he gets guess. out of jail at the start of three. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> next up, we've got the defensive power of Aikido. Oh. Uh, this is a... This is the first film in the Sunny Chiba collection, Volume 2. Ooh, ooh. Now, like a lot of the ones in Volume 1, he isn't the star. Okay. Uh, the star, oddly, though, is his brother, his little brother, Jiro. It's Jiro Chiba. Oh, okay, cool. And he plays the guy who invented Aikido. Oh. So it's a biopic, uh, a kung fu biopic or an Aikido biopic, karate. Mm. Uh, you know, Sonny Chiba was a karate master. Sonny Chiba always did karate. That was his discipline. Right. So it's his little brother as this guy, and he is learning. I guess he's sort of a master at this point of jujitsu. Uh, and Sonny Chiba, karate master, shows up and he just beats the shit out of him. He proves that his jujitsu is worthless. <laughs> oh. and he's so shamed by it that he, he decides like he's going to try something else and he goes up against a guy who does fencing he realizes jujitsu is completely fucking worthless against that too and he's like <laughs> well i've been training all this time for dick all uh i have to start a new discipline so he creates aikido so yeah i, I mean chiba's mostly in it to show up and beat the shit out of him at the start he, he kind of like <laughs> surfaces around it here and there it, there's a whole melodrama about the girl and so forth. There's this lady who, during the first fight, when he beats the shit out of him, he hits a wall and a piece of the wall hits this lady in the chest and she gets like <laughs> permanent chest disorder. And Sunny Chiba's whole thing for the rest <laughs> of the movie is like feeling bad for her and wanting to move her somewhere where she can breathe better. And he just really feels bad about that. It's, I don't know. It turns into a whole melodrama. It's not the best, but. 
Okay. There's there's some good action, and you know it's interesting. It's just weird that it's a Jiro Chiba movie. Hmm. So obviously, I was on a martial arts kick. Next, I watched American Ninja. Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> uh, he's a non-actor, I would just say. <laughs> it's, it's like Brian Chuck, Bosworth style? It's like Chuck Norris, I would say, uh, uh, in that he is a martial artist. The guy has okay. some, I, I think he has some martial arts chops, but he does not have acting chops. He's also just really unlikable. Like it starts out, he's newly assigned to a unit. It, it's we don't get his background for quite a while. It turns out he's been assigned to the military in lieu of going to jail as a juvenile delinquent. Okay. Also, he is he like nobody knows who he is. He's just a, a a kung fu orphan they found on a Pacific island. <laughs> <laughs> the background. Uh. And he's just been committing crimes and stuff because he doesn't believe in authority because he grew up in a jungle. Okay. <laughs> so he's in the military now. And there's uh, these dudes playing hacky sack and he's just a dick to them. He he like ignores them. It's like, man, just throw the thing back. What's your problem? We're a military unit. We kind of like to work together and shit. You're not going to work out well in this unit if you both cannot have any fun and can't work with the team. Yeah, he needs to do both. Or at so, least one. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is, it, it's it, it's like foreign, uh, it, it's somewhere in the Caribbean. I think we're in like the Dominican Republic or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's somewhere south, uh, somewhere like Southern Americas where there is uh, an uprising going on. There's There's rebel issues. So they're after this they're going with this truck full of goods uh, like weapons and ammo and shit and they get stopped by some rebels and the commander's like just stand down there's nothing worth dying for in this truck they can have the truck we'll just let them deal with it you know the, the, we've we've dealt with this shit before so obviously he decides to be a hero he Starts a fight with them, and a bunch of dudes get killed. Like four, four, four men from the unit get massacred. Of course. So everybody hates him. He's he's not <laughs> like you. Just got a bunch of our friends killed over some bullshit that you totally didn't need to do. And then there's a weird thing where he just gets into a fight with the guy, who and and it it's like a fight for his honor, and he's just a better fighter. So now everybody is okay with him, even though. He absolutely still did that thing that got their friends killed. <laughs> he got our friends killed, but he's good at fighting. So I guess, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so it, it ultimately turns out that there's this, the, the lady who he, like the daughter of the general, he, he's like sort of into her and they, they have a romance, but her dad is actually in the pocket of the rebels and they've been intentionally funneling out the weapons to them. And they're, uh, it's stupid. Like plot wise, it's all nonsense. It's, it's like a Saturday morning ninja movie. Uh, you see so many people getting murdered again and again, just like kill after kill after kill, not a single drop of blood. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's it's like a live action gi joe it's like a snake eyes movie 
okay. So it's stupid as hell, but it's a lot of fun. Like if <laughs> I saw it when I was 12, this would have been my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I loved my favorite ninja movie when I was a kid, besides the Ninja Turtles, was mm. Three Ninjas. I, I expected you to say that name. <laughs> that was exactly <laughs> the title I was expecting you to say. Yeah, Three Ninjas. I totally watched that. I watched the shit out of Three Ninjas. Uh, Home Alone with Ninja shit? Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen is the bad guy for some reason. <laughs> Non-threatening. <laughs> I love me some Leslie Nielsen. Uh, next, we've got Atma, which is a 2006 one from the Bollywood Horror Box. It's the only really modern one. Oh, yeah. You were you were talking about this a bit. Yeah. So I, really mixed on it. Uh, there's some really cool aesthetics. I would say that when we're doing nighttime horror stuff, you've got a lot of fog. You've got a lot of gel lighting. Uh, it looks cool like it's very glossy horror but it feels like it's based on classic bava style design the problem is most of the rest of it it's very bright it feels like a soap opera a telenovela Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) i sent you a couple clips you you know what i'm talking about yeah you showed me one that looked like a hotel ad it yeah i i there's the the fucking synth music in this it is nowhere near as good as the 80s stuff it doesn't have that horror synth vibe it feels like local amenities you know (laughs) yeah it, it feels like something's playing on the hotel channel uh i really like the songs like there's a couple songs there's one like music video that's a flashback to a murder uh, that is honestly rad as hell, but there's only like two songs and the rest of it's just this sort of bland incidental music. It doesn't have any of the flair of the eighties stuff. So oh, that, yeah, that, that was like a huge detriment to it. And again, it just has that feel to it. It's way too glossy. It feels too modern. The comedy is stupid. I, I think I sent you the clip <laughs> of her tasting all of the cakes where she's just like grabbing handfuls of cake and it's making like silly sound effects and it's cut into a baby laughing and shit. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that one. <laughs> so the- I remember one where like they were hugging, but then she had red eyes right. and then it was an intermission. That was the intermission. The intermission is like three seconds. They just immediately cut to the next scene. Oh. <laughs> uh, so the plot is there's this doctor and this guy shows up at his door in the middle of the night and he says there's going to be a report this guy's going to show up uh his name's this and uh it's going to be a murder he's he's going to be killed with poison and i want you to truthfully write that in your report you know i don't want you to falsify the report saying something different okay <laughs> he's like yeah, man, I, I don't falsify reports. I'm an honest doctor. That's what I would do. It's like, okay, well, you better do it or you're going to get some consequences. And guy leaves. So the next morning he's driving to work and these crazy people run him off the road and they hold him up with Uzis and they're like, you're going to need to falsify this report today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This guy definitely didn't die of poison. And uh, they kidnap his wife and they have her at gunpoint. 
So he does end up falsifying it, obviously. And then he gets cursed. The wife gets possessed. It turns into kind of a Bollywood exorcist for a bit. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's okay. But the 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 lack of the music the 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 lack of the the really great music of the of the 80s stuff was a big knock and just the design it's too glossy it feels too much like a soap opera uh hmm. i don't know i i didn't jibe with the That's style next one the uh, the last one in the cardona collection volume two la casa que arde en noche or the house that burns in the night Ooh. This one's awesome. Uh, <laughs> atmosphere, just rich, filthy, sleazy atmosphere. Uh, you know, the the thing with Cardona, I feel like you need a location and you need a premise. And then it's the exploitability of it that determines how good the movie's going to be. It's like Treasure okay. of the Amazon. You have so many different places you can go. You have uh, the jungle. You have hidden treasure. You have the natives. Yeah. Uh, it's post-war, so you have Nazis. You got Donald Pleasance in there. You got <laughs> expat Americans who are shell shocked, and he just throws all of that in there, and it's just sort of a stew of all those things. And that movie's fun because there's a lot of fun stuff you can do in that premise. Whereas yeah. something like that one uh, cyclone, where there's the people lost at sea, where they're just stuck on a boat at sea, there's not a ton to exploit there. So you've got them killing the dog to eat you got them gradually resorting to cannibalism you got them drying out human parts on the top of the boat (laughs) and like it's exploitable but it's all really unpleasant so right this one for me is the perfect space because it's very lavish brothel uh, slash strip joint i guess it's the front is it's a strip joint but it's pretty known to be a brothel Okay, And it's sort of at the beginning of the movie in decline. Like it's clearly this place that was huge in the 60s and has been going downhill for some time. The madam who runs the place is dying of cancer and is pretty run down. Like she's old. Right. Right. No glamour anymore. But she is she she has this boy toy who's her number one guy and. He's totally ride or die for her. Uh, And he's the guy who runs the place and he just sort of runs it with an iron fist and he doesn't have any ideas. He's not an idea, man. He's just like, okay, everybody, you got time to lean. You got time to clean. Just, he always wants them to be busy doing stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not a very good manager for this sort of business. (laughs) and this lady shows up and she is just the new sex bomb she's like look i can do all sorts of shit you want to see me grab my ankles she does that (laughs) and she's like it becomes the favorite for a little bit where she realizes what's going on with the lady and she happens to have some heroin that she stole in this heist sequence that's unrelated that happens at the start (laughs) Uh, so she's stolen some heroin, I think. It might be morphine. Maybe it's morphine. She's, you know, so she's able to dose her and she sort of gets in with the madam. Okay. Now, a cop shows up, an American cop, just poking his nose in the business. And he's like, <laughs> really obviously a cop. And everyone's like, this guy's a fucking cop. I wish he would fuck off. 
and he's like making a big show of himself he's like i want to take seven different ladies what do you think of that he's like i mean if you got the money sure whatever dude (laughs) he's like fine can i get to choose them and he's like making a huge show he's like picking girls off the dance floor and he like grabs seven of the ladies and he's like interrogating each of them they keep coming back to our main guy and it's like this this dude just keeps asking us a bunch of questions he's wasting our fucking time he's a cop can you deal with him and finally he's like okay let me just talk to this guy in the back room he's like dude what's your deal and he ends up shooting him he ends up killing this cop and you know they oh. they look and they realize he's like, yep this is a cop american cop he's <laughs> like well how do we deal with this this is kind of gonna bring a ton of heat down on our heads and both the madam and the new girl are both yeah that was a fucking stupid thing to do <laughs> and the thing is he has no real plan for how to get out of it but the the new girl she's like well i know exactly what you need to do and she has an elaborate foolproof plan which ultimately involves in him having to go on the run for a while so they okay. like give him a bunch of money and he goes on the run and it's like uh maybe a few years later or something or maybe like months later he comes back and she's taken over the place she's revitalized it it's now a huge success again uh but the dying madam has become really bitter because she's just sort of been frozen out of it and she's knows she's dying and you know she misses her boy toy and then there's this rivalry between the two of them and I don't know. Like, again, it's hard to give a plot synopsis because it's just a whole bunch <laughs> of shit happening in a place. Uh, but it ruled. It's it's just the atmosphere is great. And uh, th- there's so much you can do in this location for a Cardona movie. Sounds interesting. I'm into it. Uh, next, there's one. We we hung out. We watched If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do Again? Oh, yeah. We showed our friend. He w- He wasn't into it. <laughs> Uh, I I feel like he needed a comedian to tell him where to laugh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, not not able to laugh at it uh, in vitro. Would have needed a mystery science theater to guide him. Uh, but I was <laughs> it, I had fun and I watched The Believer's Heaven the next day. I really want to know what Perkle thinks heaven is. The thing is, there's very little that he has to say about what heaven is. It sounds really garish. (laughs) It doesn't sound like a place that I would enjoy. Uh, His main thing is just there's so many jewels, just like six layers of jewels on every wall. And he goes through the different types of jewels and they're all like these invented <laughs> ones that don't exist. And like, and oh, and they're beautiful and they're just on every wall and all the walls are made of jewels. I'm like, okay, so what else about heaven? Streets paved with gold. Gold streets. Sure. And, and we see gold and we see people's feet walking on them barefoot. It's like, okay, give me more. What, what else we got about heaven? Fresh fruit. All of the trees, the they're growing every fruit imaginable. It's always available year round. It's just, you can just pick fruit off the trees all the time. Sounds like, kind of okay. nice. That's, yeah, convenient. that's not bad. That's not bad. What else? It's always daytime. Never uh, sun, sunlight all, all day. It's never winter. It's just uh, always summer. It's uh, daytime all the time. Not like, into it. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't, I don't care for that one. And like, uh, so anything else? And like, well, you wouldn't want to go to hell, would you? <laughs> and most of the rest of it's about how you wouldn't want to go to hell, though. And oh, yeah. Okay. 
also, uh, I mean, you got to be ready because it's going to be really bad, you know, and it could happen at any times. So you got to always be ready. Uh, and I thought I want to learn about heaven. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's mostly him talking about how you got to be ready for most of the start of it. And <laughs> there's a lot of fetishization of suffering. You have musical moments by there's this lady who's a dwarf who's a paraplegic and oh god you sent me a clip yeah that. and she's oh, singing a fuck. song about how great it's going to be in heaven because she won't be this twisted thing which is <laughs> oh, that's oh boy up. yeah it's messed up there's also a part later where they have a fantasy where she's in heaven and they show this what they're interpreting they have another actress portraying a normal version of her which i was rolling uh this is like i laughed more at this than i've laughed at anything else in the set i gotta admit (laughs) it's horrible it's so upset like it's distressing and i i did have an edible before i watched it to be fair you kind of have to i think for perkle it was perfect for this one because it's just it takes so many crazy swerves you have the stuff with the so there's the dwarf the paraplegic dwarf and then that cuts into child burn victim chorus they're like none of them have hands they just have stumps and they're all (laughs) harmonizing to a song and there's like karaoke background uh like volcano eruption stuff and it's like this is the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, my, like a very crazy thing to watch very high. Uh, and then he like, he gets into that very thin stuff. It's like, well, this is what heaven is. He spends a lot of time on the jewels. Right. And then streets of gold, fresh fruit daytime all the time. And it's like, because you don't want to go to hell. And then it's like B roll from uh, his hell movie, which was the second one, <laughs> the one he did after uh, the Grim Reaper, I think. Or was the Grim Reaper the Ormond knockoff of it? I don't remember. One of the two. Uh, the the other two in the set, anyways, are the two hell ones. And then this one, he's like, well, it's some other hell stuff. And there's like <laughs> different people who are in hell. And the reason they're in hell, there's like a Buddhist who's like, I can't believe Buddha would abandon me because, you know, he didn't believe in Jesus. So he's in hell. <laughs> I was like, Fuck. great, great. There's also a priest who was just who who preached that there isn't a hell like he's not a baptist priest so he doesn't have the truest enough faith and so he was too soft on sin and said like you know there there's other options and that hell is a fiction it's just this priest who's in hell and he's like i feel like i should be able to talk to a manager about this situation just <laughs> these things are not right I, I, this seems like technicality uh i yeah i laughed so much at this it was extremely stupid but i guess the thing is it isn't as toxically stupid as the other two Mm, okay and yeah just a lot of weird shit just all of the different uh, fetishization of suffering that they have you know the different people who have all these problems and they're like Oh, but it'll be great when they die. (laughs) (laughs) But only if they completely uh, abstain from having any enjoyment until then. Uh, (laughs) It's it's fucking, it's it's a hell of a thing. (laughs) A hell of a thing. Yeah. So obviously I had to follow that up with something much different. So red (laughs) ears or uh, flaming ears. Uh, also, uh, the original German titles Rote Ohren Fetzen durch Asche, uh, Red Ears Tear Through Ash. Mm. 
so it's, it's a cyberpunk movie, early '90s, but it, I like that torment. It feels mid '80s. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very DIY as well. So it's DIY cyberpunk, like super DIY. Like anytime you have one of their dystopian exteriors, like they didn't have sets, they're miniatures. I see. And they're they're not like <laughs> the miniatures we saw in Rodan. They're mm. like the miniatures you see in Michael J. Murphy's Atlantis. Oh. Uh so it's uh there's this lady who's a comic book artist, an underground comic book artist in the distant dystopian future. She's very serious about her work. And there's this other lady who she's an arsonist. She's really into burning stuff down. And she's also really into humping furniture. Okay. She has square eyebrows. It's really weird. (laughs) Fuck. All right. And she like, there's this part where she gets into the, the comic book artist's house and she like is humping a desk for a while. And then she sets everything on fire uh, and so she, there's a rivalry between them because, you know, she burned her comic book press down. She's really mad about it. Uh, I, I, there's also this lady who's an alien. She's like in a red spandex, not spandex, like a leather suit, I guess, pleather, uh, like a full, full body suit. And she's bald. Yeah. And she's always just like picking up like lizards off the ground and eating them. <laughs> uh, and she starts sleeping with both of them. Okay. Both ladies. Uh, there's a lot of wetness. <laughs> like there, there's a lot of imagery of urination. There's this one part where they're at a dance party where everybody's wetting their pants. <laughs> uh, plot wise, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really hard to say what happens in this movie. It is not a coherent thing. It's more of just a vibe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it was something. Uh, next is The Pied Piper. Uh, this is a 1986, very dark stop motion version. Ooh. Uh, it's, I believe, Polish, maybe Czech, another Eastern European one. Uh, and the town is sort of depicted as a clockwork, as like an evil clockwork. Uh, there's all these people who just have all these repetitive activities. Okay, and it it does feel like they're all pieces of this one incredibly elaborate clock, because uh, it's all wood and metal. Everything is built out of wood and metal, like old, worn out wood. So it has a very weird look to it, like beat up old metal and worn out wood. So, like again, it feels like an old clock that you're watching most of the time, doing the stop okay. motion stuff. And it's just, we we establish Hamlin as this town of just extraordinary greed, uh, capitalist excess. Everybody's just constantly arguing with each other about every last thing. Nobody will budge an inch on any sort of money matter. Just uh, pure greed rules the place. And the rats sort of start showing up as a symptom of it. Like they're they get in between fights for money and they get stuff uh sometimes <laughs> depicted as a real rat in like the shadows uh mostly taxidermied rats so that's weird okay uh, and then obviously the pied piper shows up and he's eerie yeah i'm looking at the the poster and he looks 
I don't know what he looks like. He kind of looks like a figure of death. Uh, yeah. He's he's very scary. He's in like this big cloak and he plays these eerie flute tunes and he can just get thing get rats to do whatever he wants. He gets them to jump out the window, die. Ooh. So like, okay, cool. And they make a deal with him. Uh, there's no dialogue in this. Uh, there's just, they, they make... but yeah they they broker a deal he's going to get a bag of money and he's going to get all of these rats out of the town he gets all the rats out of the town he has him jump off a cliff and then obviously the town rips him off you know know, the pied piper story (laughs) i actually don't really know the story i just know he plays a flute and the rats fucked off so the classic version is uh, the the folktale that I always heard as a kid is that you know the they rip him off when he comes back, so he takes all the kids away. Oh, okay. He he plays the flute and all of the kids in the town follow him and he leaves. Right. In this one, there are no kids, so it's a different sort of brutal retribution. Uh, also, okay. there's a there's a sequence there's a bit with him romancing a local lady. And then she gets murdered. Mm. So there's like a rape revenge element as well in this, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Uh, it's an extraordinarily <laughs> dark version of it. Super fucking cool. Like the design is amazing. Uh, in in sort of the same vibe as something like the. We just did Journey to the Beginning of Time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, like Carol's like that. Kind of in in a in a, in the same kind of style as Carol Zeman. Nice. Could be could be fun. Could be interesting at least. Yeah, I would say it's maybe the best thing I watched. Okay. Uh, next is Murder in the Red Barn, uh, also known as Marti- Maria Martin. This is a famous <laughs> true crime story in Britain. Uh, okay. This doesn't seem too close to the actual story from what I've read. Hmm. Uh, same setup, though. So there, there's like this lady who's in love with this guy, uh, but she can't marry him because he's a gypsy. And that, right. that is the problem. And they just, it, it is irresolvable. <laughs> so there's this rich dude who's gross and he's played by Todd Slaughter. Who's the main guy. He's, he's sort of like a British equivalent to like a Lon Chaney or Boris Karloff. The major horror star of the thirties. Okay. Uh, So this is a new set, new box set. uh, What's called the criminal acts of Todd Slaughter is a new uh, Mm. indicator set. Uh, So it's, it's him as, what obviously is going to be the villain uh this rich right. guy who starts romancing her but won't uh, admit to it because she's poor and uh ultimately he ends up murdering her and burying her in the barn and trying to frame the gypsy for the murder obviously of course yeah uh but he gets found out you know as things happen uh you know pretty basic but it was interesting. Uh, obviously, a pretty important true crime story. I think this was a very fundamental horror film in Britain, like one that kind of started a wave. Right. Interesting. Next is Black Emmanuel 2. 
sort of. <laughs> <laughs> sort of? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have a lot of relation to the first one. Mm. Uh, there's a lady who's called Emmanuel and she is black. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not the same black Emmanuel. It's a different actress and seems basically to be a different character because she was like a photojournalist in the first movie and I think in subsequent movies. In okay. this one, she's a supermodel. Well, you can be both, I guess. I, I guess. And she has sexual problems. It's please don't touch me, basically. Uh, she is in therapy in new york sort of weird experimental therapy like uh, sexual exposure therapy where oh, interesting yeah i mean it's it's an exploitation film so you got to have a lot of nudity and sex and she's right, staying right. in this this experimental clinic <laughs> <laughs> we'll get over your fear of sex by having sex with you a whole bunch and there, there's all these flashbacks she she seems to have all these sexual traumas but again they seem to be imagined as they were in Please don't touch me. There's a thing where she she has this memory of being molested by her father. And when her father turns up in the movie, he is just not the same dude. <laughs> it's like he is like the she describes him as having being this drunken horn player. And it's like, I mean, I wasn't around a lot as a kid, you know, as a traveling musician. It's like, oh, you, you played the horn. It's like, no, I'm a pianist. Uh, he's just like a totally different dude he's very classy he was not a drunk it's like i i ultimately i don't even know where this memory comes from (laughs) uh she's married to a football star but they got married and it you know it's the please don't touch me thing where she just couldn't get over some sort of past thing and they're trying to track that down ultimately it turns out there is just like this whole important part of her backstory that the doctor was never told that everybody else knew oh <laughs> where she was like gang raped and her brother was murdered we find they this just out never like, told the doctor we find this out in the third act it's fucking oh, it's fuck. like what what in the hell uh <laughs> i mean it's it's bad it, it's pretty bad but it, it's you know totally watchable for one of these things and just for a lot of cool New York scenery. Uh, hmm. But it does not make a great deal of sense. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, next is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Turtles in Time. Which is surprisingly not related to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game Turtles in Time. Totally not- unrelated. I think nope. it's just that they added the Turtles in Time for subsequent video releases because on screen, it is just Ninja Turtles 3. So I I, I I think it's just they wanted to capitalize on the, the lasting legacy of the game that the movie didn't have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I didn't remember it being called Turtles in Time, and you actually surprised me just now. Yeah, it says Turtles in Time on the, the actual, like, Blu-ray case, uh, but not on the movie. So it's weird. I think it's just they've use that to sell it afterwards yeah they only really go into one time so don't they yeah just the one they they go back to a specific time feudal japan yeah they gotta like defeat the evil shogun or something yeah there's a shogun it's uh uh an ancestor of the shredder i think of course (laughs) uh casey jones is back 
He doesn't have I a remember lot to that do. he is taking care of the samurai who came back to our time so the turtles could go into their time. Because they displaced them just as an, an April O'Neil initially is the first one who goes back and she switches places with this one dude because they have the, the exact same body weight is the thing. That's how it works. That's what it, oh fuck, I remember that now. That was yeah. they switch clothes. So like he shows up and he's in her like Indiana Jones outfit that she was wearing. Huh. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> this one I didn't watch as much as number two, so I don't remember it that good. I saw it for I saw it for the first time this week. I never oh, saw really? it as a kid. Uh <laughs> I, I aged out basically in between two and three. I was just like, nah. I skipped you know, it. Fair enough. Because two was really dumb. I didn't like no, vanilla it really ice. Was. I like I was already not into vanilla ice at that age. So it it turned me off. Uh mm. and I was just done. So I never saw this one. And I gotta admit it's better than two. Well, that's good. I I don't remember if I thought it was good or not. Like one of the things is it's not Jim Henson puppeteering anymore, so a lot of people rag on the costumes. I would say that they do look bad, but I don't think that they look worse than two. Just differently bad. Mm. Honestly. It's dumb. They look a lot more like, like just going by the poster at least, they look a lot more like the toys. Yes. And I think that's much of the thing. They they want it to feel a lot more like that. Uh, uh-huh. It is lighter, but you know, they... They get to use their weapons again. They're fighting a bunch of samurai. That's fun. They uh, have a bunch of them riding on horseback. For some reason, there's a bunch of melodrama with Mikey. They try to do this in all of the movies. Like in the first movie, <laughs> there was supposed to be a subplot of him being depressed. Oh, yeah, But they right. just cut it out. I think <laughs> there was another thing in two. They didn't bother. This one, it's in there. <laughs> he falls in love with the girl who is in love with the guy who it was displaced by April. And he's like, at the end, he's going to stay. He's like, I'm going to stay because I love her. And she's like, I want my boyfriend back. I need you to leave. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's not great, obviously, but it's better than two. I'll I'll give Hmm. it that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, last one is Savage Summer, Verano Salvage. Uh, this is the next one in the Enrique Gomez Vadillo box set from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, okay. Interesting queer Mexican exploitation filmmaker. This one's kind of like uh, La Casacera de Noche in a way. Uh, it's uh, a lot of atmosphere, a lot of just uh, sex and atmosphere. So it's this, the, this lady her dad is remarrying a girl like her age after the death of her mom and she's like fuck you dad you suck i'm not cool with this i'm moving away right Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna go get married and not to someone your age you gross fuck (laughs) but then she goes to like spend some time with her guy and he's cheating on her with another woman she catches him in bed with another lady so she breaks off the engagement and she's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to have me a hot girl summer and I'm going to bang all the dudes I want. Sure. She goes to the beach. She's just going to have a time, uh, really get over this whole thing. She 
gets with a bunch of different dudes. It's, uh, you know, it goes a bunch of different directions. Uh, She meets a bunch of drunk people. She's just partying for a while. Uh, There's this one dude named Pepe who has a cat and he seems... He, he doesn't really get her deal. Like she's a tourist and he feels weird about her here. And, you know, hmm. uh, there's this drunk rich lady who they all know who's also into Pepe. There's this thing where she has a threesome with a couple guys and it just causes so much animosity between the <laughs> two of them. Uh uh, and ultimately, there is a murder which Pepe gets accused of, uh, and he's just in prison and being tortured. And she's pretty sure he didn't do it, but nobody cares because he has, you know, he's just some poor guy. Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things. Like La Casa is just it's a whole bunch of stuff happening uh, over the course <laughs> of this summer, and it's, it's very sleazy and very overheated you know a lot of summer and sex and sweat uh that's good hmm. all yeah, right uh, a lot of atmosphere uh cool. yeah. so uh those are our 12 options for next week uh what do you figure uh well i was before i before i looked at the stacks and before we started recording i was thinking hey what if we did a saturday morning cartoon themed thing and just did all three ninja turtle movies but that is viable uh, if you want yeah kind of don't <laughs> that, the more i think <laughs> they're about not it, the a lot of I'm fun like, <laughs> they're not great yeah uh, like even if two of the three would have been good i might have considered it but yeah i think yeah. the first one's a lot of fun but i do think yeah. two and three are both meh. they have their points yeah it's nostalgia no, so, for the most part yeah and I, I I can't carry an episode on nostalgia, <laughs> <laughs> man. Remember when I when he did that, and I thought it was cool as a kid. I mean, part of the problem is like I have almost no recollection of the cartoon series anymore because I never rewatched it after I was like fifteen. Actually, mm-hmm. neither have I. I just yeah. happened to have it all memorized because I watched it so much as a kid. I mean, I remember the theme song in the opening credits, but <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot else. I mean, I remember the characters, but I couldn't tell you a plot line. <laughs> Not a single Oh, like, like an individual? No, no, me neither. <laughs> nothing. Not one. Uh, but yeah, let's not do Ninja Turtles. Fair, uh, fair. Let's do... Uh, I'm curious about the Pied Piper. It's very good. It is very short, I should say. It's less than an hour long. Yeah, and I was also thinking uh, we can... I also want to do La Casa de... La Casa uh, que arde... Uh, the House That Burns at Night. The House That Burns at Night. Yeah, that one. That one is pretty rad. Yeah, let's do those. All right. Uh, so La Casa que arde de Noche and The Pied Piper. So... Yeah. For the main stacks, we have some additions. Okay. Uh, obviously, we got War of the Gargantuas. We just added. Uh-huh. Uh, next, from the Sunny Chiba Collection Volume 2, is The 13 Steps of Maki, uh, oh. which seems to be a Stray Cat Rock mockbuster. <laughs> is this hmm. lady Maki. She's got a girl gang. 
she gets sent to prison. Oh, oh sent to women's, women's prison, prison, of course. Yeah, you know, doing Will all she of be those. Able to escape and take revenge. She could have become a scorpion. I, yeah, it seems to be one of those. It's definitely like uh, it's it's one of the clones, uh, right. as we saw in the thing that they they did tons of clones. Apparently, the jeep from Stray Cat Rock is in this. <laughs> so like heavily uh stray cat rock uh oriented all right sunny chiba apparently just a cameo in this <laughs> mm-hmm. a weird choice for these sunny chiba sets i mean i'm just glad that they're putting them out you know yeah yeah uh next uh from the bollywood horror box is banda darwaza this is uh another one with just a buttload of plot there is <laughs> this lady who's having trouble conceiving, so she gets her maid to help her contact a demon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would try some other things first. And the demons, uh, the the condition is that if it's a daughter, the demon gets to keep it. But right. they renege on this promise, obviously. It ends up being a daughter, and they don't give it the demon. Okay. So the maid poisons the woman and abducts the daughter. Uh, and there's this, you know, they, they managed to thwart the maid and they save the daughter. But, uh, you know, we cut two years later and the demon comes back for the, the daughter who's like a teenager now. And okay. I think he's like, maybe also posing as a love interest, like a, a Dracula type of thing. All right. Sure. Next, 39 Stripes is another of the Ormond religious films. Oh, boy. Uh, It's about a guy who got whipped a bunch in prison and it made him convert to Christianity. (laughs) He he formed (laughs) Hope Aglow Prison Ministries. So I kind (laughs) of want to believe that this one's going to have some of the feel of Edge of Tomorrow. I want it to be like that. Some guy who just doesn't know how to publicly speak, just babbling oh, at a yes. camera and then being totally <laughs> unable to corral him. That's what I want. Oh, uh, I miss Schmitty. Yeah. Uh, next is Incredible But True. This is a Quentin Dupuis film. He's the guy who did Rubber. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, this one... The, oh, this is 2022. Yeah, quite a recent one. Since these two people, they move into this weird house. And there's something creepy in the basement. Uh, Mm. And they're warned about that. It seems to be very abstract. Uh, So I I don't know a lot more than that, that it's sort of like an anti-horror where it seems like it's a horror premise, but then it's not a lot happening. And they're just sort of (laughs) living in this place. And it's sort of comedic because I don't know. There, there's this other one of his that I've seen that's a police procedural called Keep an Eye Out that's really funny, but it's very absurdist. And it's just a police procedural where nothing's really happening and no one knows what's going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, next, from the Todd Slaughter box, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Sweeney Todd. Ooh. Obviously, Todd Slaughter as Sweeney Todd. You know the story. <laughs> uh, I do know the story. I saw the Johnny Depp movie. Me too. So I, I don't know if that means I know the story or not. <laughs> I think it's the basic same story. The The thing is, that's the musical version. So I don't know uh, how close that is to the 
more true crime oriented version because this is like closer to that this is a 30s movie so probably this is like the fundamental film version in people's minds for some time much like the frankenstein and dracula are the definitive versions in north america cool all right and last edition is johnny chicano this is the last one in that uh, enrique gomez video box set this one just sounds like a uh a soap opera there's a, <laughs> a mexican peasant who falls in love with his american boss and it just obviously it's a total melodrama problem of course <laughs> yeah. uh so those are the only additions uh what do you figure for our main feature next week uh well i'm hmm. good question good question been a while since we've actually done an exploration of these because we kind of had something in mind right away last week yeah yeah um well i i do did also kind of have something in mind this week but i don't know if i'm gonna go with it uh i was thinking it was time i had been thinking Mm. uh, especially since we are doing the ultra q thing that it would be time to check up on the gamera series it's been a while since we've been in there true true and Although, of course, do it's another... not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Uh, but now I'm interested in that one that you just mentioned uh, by the rubber guy. Incredible uh, but true. Yeah. Now, now you said you hadn't seen that yet? I have not seen it yet. One thing is I've heard that the disc, this is the Arrow release, that it's not in the right aspect ratio, which Ooh. is kind of why I have put off watching it. I've heard that it's oh. not that they they put it in the wrong aspect or something uh, uh, and i don't know oh, if i don't want to do corrected, that which is why i have been a little hesitant to get to it mm. but because i've had it for like a year now and i just keep because i want to put it on because i love both rubber and keep an eye out but right right that's why i've been hesitant on that one damn uh okay so maybe yeah. i watch that this week and let you know <laughs> yeah okay let, let's 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 maybe think about that uh and all right then let's here's here's a sequel to one that we haven't touched in a long 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 time outlaw gangster vip 2 let's do that all right outlaw gangster vip 2 uh keichi ozawa 1968 uh it's uh, our I think it's the same dude from the first one, Goro. He is just trying to leave the past behind him. He's He wants to get out, but they pull him back in. <laughs> uh, he he goes to reunite with Yumeko, but she is fatally ill. Oh, uh-oh. I, I don't recall Yumeko. I, like, I don't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> it was uh, one of the first ones we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, should be interesting. So, Outlaw Gangster VIP Two, La Casa Que Arde de Noche, and The Pied Piper next week. That'd be that's a, a a lot of different styles, a lot of different countries. We've got one from Japan, we've got one from Mexico, we've got one from I want to say Eastern Europe, Poland. I think it was Czechoslovakia, but might be. We'll. We'll know for the next yeah, episode Czech. what it is. It is Czech yeah. film, yeah. Uh, but 
I mean, it doesn't matter because it has no dialogue. There, there is no right. language in it. <laughs> right, uh, that's right. So yeah, uh, uh, Outlaw Gangster VIP two, Pied Piper and La Casa Cayarda de Noche should be a lot of fun. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we close for this week? I was going to sing the torment song, and then my brain just froze. <laughs> That's fair. We've been singing it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, see y'all next week. I suppose. I, I don't. I, I probably shouldn't try to do uh, the Ninja Turtles theme or anything, since we're not doing those. We might do those at some point. <laughs> we might. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a lot rush. of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right thanks everyone so much for listening and we'll see you soon